Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Revelator Morning Show, and we're a little bit late to uh, start the, the the audio recording, but that's okay because this is a live show after all. And sometimes you just got to be there live to catch those portions for it. So you are you got Kyle here as your host. You got Brian here co-hosting and bringing us tons of amazing news today. Brian, thank you for joining us as always every Tuesday, taking some of his time to come on here and just BS about all the latest headlines in the paranormal realm. Yes, thank you guys for having me, Kyle. I uh, hope everyone's having a good day today. Uh, it's Halloween week, man. How could we not? How could we not? We're diving into the thick of things. So we're going to start by recapping mm. a story we touched on on our Friday show uh, about you, or maybe this was on Thursday, I can't remember. USPS employee reports seven-foot-tall red-eyed creature at O'Hare International Airport. Uh, to, to do this is a little bit of a TLDR, because this news came out on October 13th. It's been out there for a while now. TLDR of it, we have a USPS worker at O'Hare Airport saying they're going to their car at 11 p.m. on Thursday, the 24th of September. And when they unlock their car, which turned on the lights, it hit someone standing about 20 to 25 feet away. They think at first it's a person. But it actually makes a swoop and like a charge and swoop at them as the Mothman was purported to do. They claim they see wow. red eyes, wings instead of a coat. Um, so the wings must have been like wrapped around the, the you know, the person's frame. But overall, right. interesting thing. It's not the first of the O'Hare sightings. Uh, so so they quote, I'm not ultra familiar with the depth of Mothman there, but apparently that has been a thing that's been seen before. Yes, and I think I had remembered hearing something about it a while ago, but I actually just assumed it was this article because, like you said, this came out a little bit back. Um, but yeah, I do recall hearing something like that, and uh, I usually keep a tab in my mind of like, oh yeah, I've heard this before, and you know maybe I'll go back later and look into it more. Um, and that was one of them. So, yeah, maybe this is kind of a hotbed. Maybe something's going to happen there. Uh, so who knows? Um, I'm seeing here in the article, they say that uh, there are at least 10 sightings coming just from the airport alone in August of 2019, which means that oh, wow. they've got quite a few there. And I have seen this book. I have not done anything. I've not purchased it. But um, the Lake Michigan Mothman, I've seen that title float around. I am interested. Mm. Cover looks amazing. And I love the Mothman, period. So I'm like, I need it. But not right now. I have a huge reading list. <laughs> Same here. Yeah, me too. And I love Mothman. And uh, I still have yet to check out that documentary we talked about Ooh. last week. Um, I accidentally downloaded uh, the 2002 Hollywood Mothwood, bleh, Mothman movie thinking it was a documentary. And I was like, oh, I'm going to watch it. Maybe we'll talk about it. And maybe I'll still watch it. But anyway, uh, yeah. So Mothman is has been in my thoughts lately, especially with the new documentary that just came out, I think, last week or two weeks ago. 
And exciting news. Yeah, that was just last Tuesday. I Time is freaking flying. Right. They have agreed to come by the show and do an interview, um, but they're booked up through November 9th. So after Halloween right. week, we're going to we'll sit down. We'll chat about how we want to have them come on, uh, watch that documentary in advance. And we can all, you know, Ooh. shoot the shit about about what's going to happen. Um, but currently they're just, you know, uh. their they're schedules up. So we're. Very excited. I cannot wait. I'm chit-chatting with them about ideas for everything. Yeah. It's it, it's really exciting to see how friendly and open so many of these people in the paranormal space have been. You know, like that was just, it's very nice that we could just be like, wow, look at this documentary. This is awesome. Let's interview them. And they're like, cool. Yeah, we're in. We're, we're in. Just give us the time we need and we're in. So, heck yeah, Chad. It is Thank very you. cool. Thank you for being here yeah, and supporting us. Yeah, be an exciting one. Yes, thank you guys. So, at the end of the day, it is an interesting one to keep a, a uh, like an idea of what's going on. I found a timeline, actually. Timeline of the Lake Michigan. This is old. This is 2017. Does it go further? Oh, it's updated. Holy crap. Whoa. Yeah, because I feel like I, I've been hearing about this for at least a year, but... You know, the last year for me has kind of been a blur, as I'm sure it has for a lot of people. So I'm like, was it last month? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, this is such an odd, like, I cannot believe how many. So apparently the Mothman or a winged creature in the Lake Michigan area dates back to 1957, um, having a oh, ton wow. of reports increase in 20. It looks like seven. Wow. 17. They really spiked. Like mm -hmm. really, really spiked in 2017. 2018's a little bit smaller. 2019's decently a little bit bigger. 2020 already off to a start. Uh, as of February, they were initially kicking off and continuing through October. Hmm. So lots of Mothman to be seen there, you guys. If anyone's in that area, let us know. Let us know if you have any encounters or if you actually hear these stories going around because that'd be interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize that it went back, you said, to 1957. That's uh, that's interesting, because that's before even the Point Pleasant incident, which was, I think, 1967. I believe you're correct on that date. It says a young man encounters a winged creature with a, quote, the body of a large man while out hunting in Braidwood, Illinois. Um, it's There's nothing for about 12 more years, so in 1969... A young child is abducted from his home for an indeterminate amount of time by a, quote, tall winged humanoid before being returned. That's odd. Wow. That's got to be a story. So he came back. Did it, Has anyone ever interviewed this guy? Uh, by the way, this is all coming from the single, uh, the singular Fortean Society's website. We'll try and get you guys a link. They have a lot of these interlinked, though, so just a heads up. Yes, you can click into these and then apparently Ooh. see more about all of these. Like, they've done a really good job. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, without me going into detail, this does look like an interview of sorts here. It's a lot of quotes. What is this? Interesting. Uh... Lon Stickler of Phantoms and Monsters spoke to witness Floyd Hancock recently who described a terrifying encounter with a tall winged humanoid that he, uh, he had as a child. Wow. Okay. So there's the information there, but huh. okay. I have not read it That's yet. That's one so. I got to read. 
dive in yeah. chat. It's it looks like an interesting one. So the Singular Fortean website, singularfortean.com to be specific, will get you right where you want to go. Interesting. So that is my Mothman in a nutshell because like I said, we talked about it a little bit last week, but otherwise there's just mm-hmm. not much yet to this story until people get some more like I, I don't want to say they need more corroborating evidence, but I, I guess I do hope some investigators out there putting all of these pieces together because it seems like there is a lot of it. Um, but I don't know where they go next with that. Otherwise, it's going to keep popping up at the airport. Right. And uh, maybe that's what that I think that's what that documentary we talked about last week talks about a little bit. Uh, the Mothman legacy. Right. Yes. And uh and so basically the premise of that documentary is that it picks up where the original Mothman film left off. So they basically they say that the Point Pleasant incident was just the beginning. And so they go into a lot of the more current sightings. So um, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe this is something that they do know about. Maybe maybe you can ask them in your interview. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can. That would be great. It would be very interesting to see what their opinion is on, on this sort of stuff. Um, Lake Michigan Mothman mm. definitely seems to be an interesting one that I admit, again, I don't know enough about it, especially letting myself down as a big Mothman fan. But uh, I don't know. It's mm. it's weird. If if, if it, it kind of almost goes against the Mothman storyline in a way, too. If the Mothman is most definitely a creature that is uh an omen for something bad you know like i just don't what it what is it prophesying in this case because it's been doing it for a hell of a long time way longer than the bridge disaster in point pleasant that's very true Hmm. wasn't that one like six Um, months or something like three months whatever it was like a very short window of warning yeah it was under a year i believe um yeah um that's a good point um maybe could be a lot of things. Maybe it. Um, maybe there's more than one Mothman, or maybe that's just where he lives. I don't know. <laughs> well, and, um, and this this is one of those theories that gets a little out there. I don't know if I believe or disbelieve in it, but th- there is the idea that what is it? Does O'Hare have some weird stuff? I know Denver International is supposed to have weird stuff underneath of it. Is there supposed to be some weird stuff with O'Hare too? I feel like I've, I feel like I've heard something, but I can't remember. Yeah, I've same. definitely heard the Denver stuff. Um, and I actually knew a guy who was in the Air National Guard, maybe, who confirmed to me that he has been in the levels beneath the Denver airport. So that is a real thing. Oh. Um, yeah, I know, right? Um, O'Hare, I think, yeah, I, I think a lot of... I don't know. I don't know what the story is with that, but I have heard something probably on the conspiracy edge of things of, you know, there's a lot of secret meeting places for the military secret plans. I don't know, all kinds of stuff. And uh, airports, I've heard a lot about uh, stuff like that. Maybe some black sites. Uh, I kind of remember something like that in Chicago a while ago uh, where they were saying there were some black sites. Maybe that was... Hmm. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Maybe. That could be. I mean, yeah. that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me. I uh, I think like I said oh, to Brian once before, some of that stuff, like 
it, it, it doesn't even really border on conspiracy for me. It's like, do I believe that there's sublevels to airports? Hell yeah. I mean, when we build stuff, we always build sublevels, assuming we can, you know, a- unless the ground literally prevents it. Otherwise, as humans, we love sublevels. Mm-hmm. We love to stick shit in weird rooms. So, like, <laughs> to say that there would be, like, bunkers installed or something, like, yeah, that fits America's, you know, age-old, what, like, 60, 80, 100-year-old plus plan of, like, defending themselves from invasion like we've had many of those areas right. declassified like the green what a green the one in oh green grove whatever the one is that the that one bunker you can tour now that was made to set up for like our entire government or congress or whatever to retreat to and you oh can, in in wyoming like i'm in thinking the, the in one the in west virginia there? i think but oh, okay. it wouldn't surprise yep, me that's yeah, there's one in West Virginia. There's one like along in the the Rocky Mountains somewhere in case like we ever get nuked. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of our like backup uh, infrastructure for our military and stuff like that is there. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if they maybe wanted a more modern version of that. Like, and because uh, if I recall correctly, those facilities were all uh, constructed during the Cold War during the 1950s. And uh, up until recently, a lot of our, you know, backup stuff still was running on floppy disks. I think I read that just a few years ago. I know, right? Yeah. I think I heard um, something about that with nukes, right? Like they're like the nuclear armament nice. system is like really old, like Ryan said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. A lot of it does still run on floppy disks. So perhaps they uh, were in you know, they were up for an upgrade and, uh, you know, decided to do something like that because it would be in the right area. The Rocky Mountains provide a lot of uh, cover from airstrikes and and stuff like that. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Space Unicorn in chat says that was the Greenbrier Hotel I'm thinking of uh, in West Virginia and the Cheyenne Mm -hmm. Mountain Complex in Colorado. Cheyenne Mountain. So that's why Mm -hmm. I say, like, the conspiracy theory of is there a complex uh sure yeah i mean i would everywhere if i were in charge i'd be building bunkers out the wazoo but i'm a little maybe paranoid about right. it but i just like i could live underground but um yes i guess the question and, is um, like what's happening in those bunkers that's the i don't know right and one theory uh would be that uh, that i think i've heard is that all those bunkers are interconnected through underground tunnels. Yes. Like at the Denver airport, you have truckers that uh, apparently go underneath the airport and drive for hundreds of miles to drop off their payload and then leave. And uh, like when I say payload, I mean like sometimes it's just food, like (laughs) stuff like that. So you got to think probably there is some stuff going on under there. Um, You know, if – if it were me and I was in charge of the military, I'd want to make sure that, you know, uh, for example, the Pentagon goes underground for who even knows how many levels. Um, I would want to make sure that the critical infrastructure, the intelligence and, uh, you know, all that is very well protected and guarded and underground would be a perfect place, I think. I think so, too. I, I, you know, I've heard Pagan and I talked very briefly and if we have any structural engineers out there, please speak up or seismologists or whatever. But um, Pagan and I were talking very briefly about the idea of like all of the U.S. having those secret highways underground. And I'm like, the only thing that makes me think right. that we wouldn't do that is 
imagine that you are in charge of keeping those tunnels from breaking. And every time we have like a tectonic shift and one of those things, because we're talking, you know, thousand mile long tunnels relatively, right? And I'm not an expert. I have no idea. I've never built a metro station before. I don't know what it's like to build rails underground, but I imagine it's a hell of a nightmare when you start talking like on the state to state level. I imagine it's a pain in the ass even when you're talking about like New York City alone, let alone going like, let's carve out this. Right. I, I sure. could be wrong. Maybe that's a thing. I think, though, if I were in charge, I wouldn't worry about that myself and instead just hire commercial vehicles to, you know, transit a lot of stuff um, under people don't ask questions you know you know that that adage they use in like tv shows movies the archetype where someone just throws on a, like an electrician's uh outfit or like you know uniform and then they like oh i'm just checking the power and people like right. let them in like i feel like there's a lot to be said if you hide, hide things in plain sight i don't know i think that's true i would yeah. love to talk to someone though someday that actually has insight into structural mm. like underground design because that would be is it as flimsy yeah. as i think is it easier than i think right it's exactly i'd be interested to know how complex that would be to set up and how feasible it would be because like for example in the jetpack article we're about to oh, talk about yes. um you know pretty much what we learned is that it just wouldn't be possible for uh, a, a man-made device to do that so it's like how far does it go? And then also, if you believe that there's like aliens living under the ground that have this like sub, you know, underground society where they all live right beneath us, you know, could that be possible? <laughs> could that be possible? That would be very, very interesting. I, I just got to throw something about aliens or the Matrix into every episode. I, I think like that's it. just going to be a thing, a thing that I do from now on. <laughs> I, I approve, honestly. I, I say do it. I I love the idea of, you know, these other dimensional beings. And for those that uh, watch what we do in the Discord server, if you guys haven't joined, you should. I play a lot of the game mm. Stellaris, which is all about interplanet or like intergalactic uh take over you know it, it's like a civilization game where you're taking an empire through time learning your techs and stuff but it is really addicting and it really plays into all of the archetypes like you can be borg type you can be parasitic thing like you could just be like whatever type of alien you've seen in a show to some degree so yeah, I've I'm noticed in. you playing that for like a month straight, so it has to be a good game, right? <laughs> I am addicted, man. I'm addicted. So people that haven't tried it, I, I recommend. They actually have new content coming this week, too. Two days from now. Oh. So, uh, yeah, they're adding some sort of undead alien race that like... Oh, I was going to ask if it's mm, spooky content. It is spooky content. It's a. It's like going to be... And, and when I say this, you can outfit them however you want look wise trait wise like you you're creating it your own species in a way but you choose from a pool of selected things these guys i guess are gonna have a strong reverence for the dead and they themselves are like kind of necroticy, half alive things like post post life hmm. beings i don't know it sounds interesting Halloween-y. it sounds alieny and i am in 
yeah. without further ado, let's let's play this video at the top of this NBC News article, though, because this is interesting. We're talking Jetpack Man over Los Angeles. Uh, we set this up for you guys right. a little bit last week when we talked about it very briefly, but it sounds like through through the month of August, actually, as far back as August 30th, people have been seeing mm-hmm. a jetpack over the skies of Los Angeles. A, a man in a jetpack, I should say. And the story right. gets way crazier than we think because we talked last week saying we are not up on the latest blueprints of jetpack design but it seems pretty feasible in a world with flying car or flying cars geez flying drones and uh, automated cars what i was trying to say um maybe flying cars are maybe i just freudian slipped it all to you guys i'm working on a flying car project behind the scenes um no i'm not that much of an engineer but let's let's hear from some pilots and hear what they have to say yeah this is interesting midday Pilots aboard a China Airlines flight soaring at 6,000 feet as they approach LAX, look out the window, and do a double take, spotting what they believe is a man wearing a jetpack. We just sort of fly up just at the 6,000. And if you hear six heavy, can you say that one more time, please? We just saw the, the fly object like a flight suit just passing by at 6,000. A flying object, was it a uh, UAV or was it a jetpack? They even asked. Too shiny and too fast. Too shiny and too fast to be a drone. But says radar tapes so far show no jetpacks or drones. 6,000 feet is also a mile This in the isn't air. the first time there's Over been a, a sighting at LAX six weeks ago. This radio transmission from the cockpit of an American Airlines flight. We just passed a guy in a jetpack. The tower in disbelief. <laughs> Only in LA. The FAA and <laughs> FBI have an open investigation mm-hmm. into that midair incident as well. Tonight, a growing mystery. What was that, if anything? Sam Brock, NBC News. Only in LA, Today's says Mortis. That's right. That is right. Um. It sounds right, though. I mean, I lived there for a bit, and like with all the tech that's centered there, it it seems ultra believable. Because in my time there, people were pi- like, when I was living there, the hot thing where Snapchat was doing their like glasses thing that would take you on a whole like you know live streaming was becoming a thing in the mainstream. There was a lot of different tech on the streets that people were piloting. So. You know, it seems about right when we talk about Elon Musk and all that, what's going on, what can be done tech-wise, what if billionaires throw their money behind things. But this article really shines some doubt on that. Yes, and I was just going to say that too because there's a few reasons, and you're right. There, there are, There is one or two companies uh, that are allegedly working on the technology, but from what this article says is there's no way if it were to reach that height. So these uh, pilots are reporting that they're seeing a guy in a jetpack at 6,000 feet. That's over a mile in the air. I'd imagine uh, for a, a, just a person to go up there, you'd have to, I mean, be able to withstand some extreme, extreme, temperatures and uh you know being up that high the oxygen like would be low you'd be flying and um so what they said is that the current technology a there's only like four or five or six of these jetpacks and they're like super 
model, like they're like prototypes that they've only tested a few times. And from what this article says is that they the jetpack can hold up to 12 gallons of gasoline, which is enough to keep it in the air for 10 minutes. And in order to reach that height, you would have to be flying straight up for at least seven. And in order to land, since you're that high up in the air, it would deploy an emergency parachute and all kinds of stuff. And nobody reported seeing that. Nobody reported seeing any debris uh, from what these people who developed the jetpack were saying is that it's also extremely loud, meaning if it were if it were a few miles from the airport in a, in a neighborhood, people would have called in to complain like, hey, there's some crazy loud noise going on. And uh, we didn't hear about any of that. So that leads me to think it's not something that was developed by anyone in the area uh possibly secret military use is something i was thinking of but like why test it in la why not test it at area 51 <laughs> where they test all the other experimental flight things you know yeah, that makes me think it has nothing to do with the government in any way you know i i feel like they wouldn't be testing yeah. this out there i could see just a random it does make me think back to um Oh, oh, I'm trying. Uh, Lazar, Bob Lazar, when he was trying mm. out his super drag race things that apparently are like super e like engines, tur turbine engines, jet engines on race cars is what he was doing. Oh, and that's when the government apparently tapped him for a job because he was doing that, you know, in his backyard. Like he was doing that. Mm. Like we talked, Brian and I spoke the other day about the guy who had done. Um, uh, the the radioactive Boy Scout who made his own reactor. Yes. Like we talk, there are people mm -hmm. that do these things at home, extreme hobbyists. Um, I believe there was also a story of a guy who made his own rocket to like try and go into space. Or I, there's probably a dozen of those out there. Look them up. But you hear right. these. Is this one of those? It. What makes me think no is this article's description of how much propulsion is needed to go into this yeah that would have to be a seriously developed engine of some sort um and for the fact that it doesn't make noise uh is yeah. also it would have to be some type of technology uh either a very quiet and efficient gasoline engine or something else entirely which, if you think about it, gasoline has been our main source of propulsion engine for a long time simply because it's efficient and it's, you know, you get a lot of bang for your buck. You know, you're blowing up gasoline and using that uh, force to propel yourself, your vehicle, or whatever. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like if we discovered something better, you know, we'd at least have heard about it in being in development or something like that. You'd think so. Hi, Shansala. Welcome aboard. Space Unicorn says Denver is that high. People breathe in Denver. But I, and I'm not an expert, but I don't think that's how it works. I think when you're climbing 6,000 feet in seven minutes, I imagine that's not, I think you'd get lightheaded and pass out. Because when you actually move to those altitudes, like to live, you get like two weeks of what do they call the altitude sickness, fatigue, fatigue? Yeah. something. Yeah. Yes, I had yes. that uh, when I moved here formally, not on a visit, but on a yeah. formal move to Salt and, Lake. Oof. 
Right. And I'm from one of those areas where I think our base elevation is like 4,000 or so feet above sea level. Mm -hmm. um, so compared to most areas of the country, like when I go to an area uh, where the oxygen, like a lower uh, altitude place, you're actually, you're physically, you're able to do more because yeah. you're conditioned to performing with less oxygen. Um, so like if you were to go run a mile, you'd, you'd feel great doing it coming from high and going to a low altitude. Uh, so it is possible. Yes. But like, imagine what Kyle was saying is going up that high, that fast. It's like, I, I don't know the exact logistics of it, but I mean, that does take an effect and plus a mile and seven minutes. I guess that's not, well, that is pretty fast, honestly. That's, so. that's really fast. I mean, you're in a pressurized so cabin not, in an airplane for that reason. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, right. that's why we don't fly our airplanes open cabin, right? I mean, we we I mean it wouldn't be great, but we could. Like we could just if it weren't for yeah. us needing to keep people in a <laughs> our bodies aren't made for that kind of drastic shift and stuff. That's why your ears pop and all that with the altitude and all that jazz. So I, I don't know. Again, mm. is it possible? Uh, yeah, I mean, theoretically, you could, I, 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 our astronauts go up into space, so could they have a space right. suit, you know, so, something that's, you know, keeping them pressurized on, sure, is it likely, that's what I was just thinking, yeah. is it, is it likely all becomes the question, because if we start to slap together more of these, like, dare I say, multi-million dollar assets, because I, I'm sure an astronaut spacesuit costs <laughs> multi-millions i don't even know <laughs> but i mean so now yeah. we're saying not only does this this entity that went up there this person have a state-of-the-art jetpack that doesn't have you know the same sort of um sound and combustion and all that but they also now have access to these well equivalent of our spacesuits to survive that kind of jump up like you said temperature wise it's going to be cold up there we're not we're not meant to yeah yeah, so I don't know. I'm definitely not an expert on it, but I don't think it applies in the same right. ways of like transitioning places like that. I, I the end of the article claims a theory that I'm not super into, but they say that it could be a drone with a body attached, to, like a um mannequin. Yeah. Right. And that would be funny. Honestly, I could, I could kind of see that happening. Like some guys just like, Oh, I got a cool drone. And, and like people do that. Like you see people in Halloween, they'll like put a ghost looking costume over the drone and fly it around. Like it's a, like it's a ghost flying around or something. You know, I've seen stuff like that. So it's not entirely impossible. Um, but again, how high do you get in the air with a drone? Cause a mile high in the air is like, that's really high. Well, and the other kicker is like that if you fly a drone at the height of like there are very strong restrictions on drone flight, especially in like, I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't know how I'm sure L.A. has an absolutely massive drone problem. They were starting to when I left, but I can only imagine like the four years since or whatever. But um, it's yeah, it, they're very accessible, um, but they have FAA regulations. I was just going to say that, yeah, to fly it within a certain distance of the airport, A, you're just not allowed to do it. Uh, and B, I 
I want to say I heard something that they were trying to implement some type of thing, like you needed a permit uh, to fly a drone and stuff like that in certain areas. Uh, I don't think anything ever became of it, but um, yeah. And uh, yeah. and another thing is like these are pilots; they probably see stuff like that all the time. So they're, I think they'd have just been like, it was a drone, but like they're they're just like it was a jetpack, man. <laughs> They don't even they don't even no questions about it. They're they're pretty sure what they saw, which was to me interesting. Um, because like in a lot of UFO sightings, you'll see the same thing. You'll people will ask the same questions like, Well, are you sure it wasn't just something else? And it's like, you gotta think those are probably somewhat common. And so they see those a lot and are probably able to identify those. So there's a lot of weird in this story, and uh honestly, I, I'm not I don't. I'm not saying it's an alien. I'm not saying it's jetpacks, but um, it definitely is strange. The, the confidence with which the reports were called in, and um, I don't know. To me, it's weird. It's definitely interesting. I say so too. I I think that's the case. Uh, let's take a quick AFK. Let's do a BRB sort of thing here. Everyone, take five minutes. We'll be right back. And uh, for everyone listening live, you guys just get a nice handy pause. We'll be right back after this break. Hello, everybody. We are back. It's time. I'm resuming. I gave Louie some uh, some peanut butter back there, so everyone gets to to see a little bit of Louie having Yay. having a great time. Has Halloween Yay. collar on. He's ready. Oh, wow. I know, right? I put him in the spirit. I said, if you can have this, you have to, you have to wear this for us. You have to be festive. So, uh, oh, that's right before the break, we we're talking about the, the jetpack story. Very, very interesting. I am very excited to keep an eye on the jetpack one as it develops, just because it's, it's strange. I want to know, I bet we find out it's a person is my thinking that it's some sort of like company that's been working on it. I am, I have no idea. You'd think we'd know if that were the case by now. Well, one thing, uh, so I was going over my notes. I mm -hmm. made a few notes about this article. And one thing that they do say in the article is that this is currently under investigation by the FBI and the FAA, which is the federal aviation, the federal, <laughs> the federal aviation association, I believe. Don't quote me on that. Or but or you think, right. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, so you'd think uh, they'd have gotten to the bottom of it if that were the case, right? Administration. You'd think so, yes. Federal Aviation Administration. I had to look it up. That's what it is. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I didn't know it off the top of my heart, head either. It, but you're right. You'd think that someone would know. if someone, And if it is a billion-dollar like startup company doing crazy stuff, why you wouldn't want to like sneak this through. Because you don't want the FBI. They would get sued. I mean, they would be, they would be in violation of federal law i don't know i guess yeah yes i i would almost guarantee there are flight regulations in the city of la where i don't think you could fly a personal plane through la uh or anything like that um so yeah i i think uh th these people would be at risk because um there there would be some type of fine if not criminal charges because um if this technology is really experimental you don't know that it's going to make it down safely. It could crash into a building or something like that and injure people. So um, if it were me and it were my company, I, I'd think 
you would be savvy enough to know that like, okay, I'm going to do a test run. I should run it by the FAA or something like that to make sure it's not illegal or whatever. So, yeah. And, and space unicorn has been giving us some good thoughts in chat. So one of theirs that I think I'm just going to debunk out of this article, which was, um, assuming no one heard it on the way up, it's possible that it made its way up unnoticed by civilians. Having lived in LA, I think I, I'm going to say that sounds really unlikely because of the limitations this company said would likely be on the jetpack, saying that you would need to go straight up. And one of these sightings was right over downtown Los Angeles. Even if you're not in downtown LA, I mean, it is a sardine city. You know, you're you you have houses, but like. They are, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of people per block. I think the block I lived on, there probably was over yeah. a thousand residents on this pretty residential wow. street because we just had, you know, a, a, a ton of apartment complexes. The, the small apartment complex I lived housed 15 units um, and there were like a lot of those and some, a mega one at the end of the block that was, you know, stories high. So the idea of being right. in LA and avoiding it, you'd have to find, there are areas that you could probably get away with it, but like, you know, right, like, really iffy. And why would you? Because there's planes flying in your face. <laughs> yeah, like what if, what about like a t the top of a, a tower, like with a helicopter pad or something like that? Maybe you could sneak up there and have your Maybe. little kicks or something. But another thing is, like, if it were a business, I wouldn't do that. I would build my own or something like that. I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it definitely I, I don't know. I mean, I've never lived in L.A., but I've been around the airport area and it's, you know, it's pretty busy. There's a lot of there's a lot of people there. Yeah. It, and it's a it's a massive city, too. Like the, the general idea of Los Angeles, Los Angeles County is, is huge and it has like 13, 15 million people in it. And those are all people mm -hmm. in like commutable distance of like an hour or less. So like, if you start to think of it that way, there's a lot of people in a semi, you know, metropolitan sprawl sort of sense. But that also makes me think like, uh, I don't even know how you'd get to downtown LA and not have people hear you. And you bring up a great question if you try to take off on one of the towers there, because LA does is a flat tower top city because um, they had an old regulation yeah. that they wanted helicopters to be able to land and evacuate people. Uh, I think that's all okay. like a myth now, just due to population size. <laughs> it would never work uh, as far as right. I remember. But, mm -hmm. you know, if someone got up there and took off from the top of that tower, Again, just like you said with, you know, the FAA regulations, then that puts that tower in question. Like, did they either allow someone to go up there without a permit to do that? Did someone sneak up there? Therefore, right. their regulations are probably really bad. And I say mm. that because that is a designated landing pad, which means it's probably approved in some way by the FAA, meaning that that, you know, you see the relationships I'm trying to draw there where it's like someone would get in a lot of legal trouble which does beg the right. question again, who is it? Is it a drone? I don't know. Yeah. Is it some Tony Stark kind of guy or like Elon oh. Musk has like a hobby that he's doing? Like, what is this? <laughs> I don't know, man, but this is a great, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought this one up because touching on it for a minute last week did not do this story any justice. This was, great. I know. Cause 
it was interesting to talk about it, but now that we know the details, like we know a little more information, but it's only led us to more questions, frankly, because, you know, when I heard about it, I was like, eh, it could be just some, could be what we talked about. Could be someone as a hobbyist, could be a company developing it, all this stuff. But now it's like the FBI doesn't even know who it is. So it's like the mystery, the plot thickens. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Well, let's put Jet Pac-Man to bed for now. Time to move on to a news story. We will keep you guys informed as we see headlines of it. And we, ha- if we happen to miss anything, please always shout that stuff out. We would love, love, love you to submit links and such because uh, these are going to be good ones to track. Would you like to talk yeah, about... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Brian. Sure. Yeah, I'll talk about the next one. And uh, yeah, so this is actually an article that Screaming Siren from chat had sent to me um, that I wouldn't have looked into much further personally. So thank you, uh, Screaming Siren. I appreciate that. And uh, like I said, you know, people, uh, if you see weird headlines throughout the week, send a message to me or Kyle, post it in Discord, send me a message on Twitter. And, uh, you know, if it's like if it's something that seems interesting we will talk about it on the show and uh like we did today i guess <laughs> indeed always happy to so this one is a couple who bought conjuring house install 24 7 cameras and say it's definitely still haunted Ooh. yeah so this is an interesting one um so kyle i i think you said you have not seen the conjuring <laughs> and um I didn't either. So last night I did a little bit of homework and I watched the movie, The Conjuring, which came out in 2013. Mm-hmm. And it's a film about uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, one of the locations that they investigated, uh, I believe it was in 1971. Um, so let me go into just a little bit of backdrop about the house. So um, it, it, it became a popular uh I guess it didn't really become too popular back when it was investigated in the 1970s, but it was kind of uh, along the wave of the Amityville horror type of house. And, you know, all those thrillers were coming out about real haunted places. And uh, so this one was investigated by the Warrens. Uh, The family that was living there was experiencing a lot of violent uh, poltergeist uh, activity that, um, it was determined that uh, in the 1800s, a witch, a woman who was accused of practicing witchcraft, had lived at the house. And um, she gave birth to a son that she sacrificed to Satan because she believed that it would elevate her status in the eyes of the devil. And then she committed suicide in the house. And so the story is that <laughs> I know, creepy, right? Yeah. So the story is that her spirit is in the house and she a lot of the people that lived there after were possessed by her spirit and she compelled them to kill their their children like she did and um so that's the premise of the movie is a family moves in there the mother kind of slowly starts to become possessed by an entity and uh they perform an exorcism and she comes back to normal and that's the end of the movie um so I guess in 2017, the the house, the actual Conjuring house, not they filmed it in a different location. It's not act- actually at the Conjuring house, which is in Rhode Island. Um, but so in 2017, that house went up for sale and it was purchased by two paranormal investigators um, 
So I guess it's a fitting thing. You know, a lot of people are like, why would you want to live there? But I guess if you're a ghost hunter, that's like the perfect place to live because, you know, it saves you money on uh, having to go out on the weekends or whatever. Anyway, so um, yeah, so they move in, uh, they set up the 24-7 cameras and they reported uh, seeing a lot of black mists. Uh, hearing disembodied voices and footsteps, knocks, lights flashing, uh, objects being thrown violently by an unseen entity, uh, just very extreme activity that they said that they capture on, on a daily basis. Uh, and so they put um, they put a bunch of security cameras up. I think they said there's one in every room, and they record 24-7. And daily, they will receive. Uh, they'll see the footage of something unexplainable happening, which is really interesting. And um, I guess they've opened it as sort of a tourist attraction. They do tours during the day, and then overnight, uh, you can do a paranormal investigation, and uh, you can go to theconjuringhouse.com. Uh, to book, you know, set up uh, an investigation if you're from that area. I'm from Vermont, so I'm a little far, but it is in my neck of the woods. I consider all of New England my hometown <laughs> or my home turf, I guess I should say. Uh, if it's in New England, it's not too far. So um, for those of you who are in the area, you know, take a day tour. These Some of these uh, haunted places are so interesting just to go during the daytime and see what's there because they'll have artifacts on display, all kinds of historical stuff. Um, I don't know how much the tour costs during the day, but usually it's not cheap. I mean, under 20 bucks, usually like 10 bucks a person is what I've seen at a lot of places. So, um, yeah, so that's the story is that uh, they bought this house. They've turned it into a kind of a tourist attraction, but it sounds like they also live there. So kind of like a reality TV show also. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it sounds sounds spooky. I'm going to ambiguously give this like promotion because I don't know the channel name. Uh, <laughs> so I'm sorry, everybody. But I will just say it gets picked up in Nuke's top five a lot. There is also a guy who lives in the New England area who has moved into a haunted house on YouTube. And for exactly the mm. reasons that you just said, it's very interesting to see the investigation mm -hmm. when it becomes a long-term I live it sort of deal. So I, I like true. that guy's series. I like the sound of these people moving into this house. It's it's a right. neat kind of concept. I think I've probably said to you before, and chat, you've definitely heard me say this, I, at this point in my life, have definitely become more of a person that appreciates a long-form investigation, even if it doesn't yield yes. results. I am mm. over, personally, the phase in my life where I was very just interested in, like, trying to, you know, find the scarier, 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 scarier thing. Like, I, I feel like I followed a lot of those shows in the early 2000s on TV that every week had to try and amp it up more. And now I'm on the other side of the spectrum, you know, on the other side of the hill where I'm like, I, oh, sorry about that, chat. I see the, the Louie glitch there. Sorry, Brian and Louie have merged on the uh, camera front there with their text. Um, hey, I, I look better now. <laughs> Just keep it. No way. <laughs> uh, Birdman also in chat asks, how do you become a paranormal investigator? I'd say research. Mm. I'd say research is your first thing um, in my mind. Brian, yeah. I'm going to 
toss this to you in a second. I'll say research sure. and actually investigating. Like, it sounds silly, but if we're talking about, like, how do you become a TV paranormal investigator, that's a whole other route. But if you're saying, like, how do I actually investigate the paranormal, research, 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 books, 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 mm-hmm. um, and, well, the internet articles, too. And then, um, yeah, actually going out there if you if that's the type you want to be an in-field investigator. Brian, what's your thoughts? Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a lot of what you said. So there, you know, if you're looking to start it as a hobby, uh, definitely research, uh, go, there's a lot of online resources. Uh, you can use my website, ghostquest.net, uh, to find potentially haunted locations near you. Uh, but before you do that, you, you really want to look, you know, I'm sure there are blogs and guides of like, what to do, what equipment to use is an important one. You're going to want to do some research into, you know, how it all works, like what is considered paranormal. Like, for example, cold spots and stuff like that are things that uh, like EMF levels. There are things you can check for. Um, I would try and become familiar with that. And then, you know, when you feel like you kind of know, honestly, watch Ghost Hunters, watch Ghost Adventures on TV. That despite it being a little bit embellished and a little bit Hollywood, that pretty much is what it is. You research the place, you go there, you maybe ask some questions, you have some equipment, stuff like that. Um, If you're talking about how to become like as a profession, it's a lot more difficult, but there are a lot of ways to do it. Um, Like, you know, if you start a YouTube channel for your ghost investigations, um, eventually you can monetize your channel once you have a certain number of subscribers uh, YouTube will actually pay you, um, I think it's like approximately four-ish dollars per thousand views on your videos on YouTube. So like if you get a big enough following and you put out those videos, you could do that. Um, you can offer services uh, to people. I know it's an unpopular opinion, but some paranormal investigators will charge you to go and do a cleansing of the house or whatever. Um, the community's really divided on whether that's ethical and a lot of stuff like that. Um, but when it comes to wanting to make a living out of something, there's always a way to make it work for you. Like, for example, with my website, I write about haunted locations. And um, I don't really, up until recently, I wasn't selling anything because I hadn't published any books. But, you know, you can put advertisements on your website, like a tiny little ad at the bottom. And every time someone views your web page, you know, you'll get a little, you'll get a penny here and there, but eventually, you know, it, it's about building your, your reputation and about building your brand and, uh, you know, networking, getting to know people, uh, getting people to know you. Um, it's a journey though. I mean, don't let anyone think, tell you it's going to be an easy buck getting on YouTube and you're going to make money. Cause I see a lot of that happen. Yeah. People come into the field and they're like, Oh, I'm going to put out crazy ghost videos. And three months later, they realize they've only got a hundred people to subscribe to their channel and nobody watches their videos and they just quit because they don't, they don't actually like it. They just think it's going to be an easy job or whatever. Um, But yeah, like I say, if you have the passion, it won't be a job like I do. I mean, I wake up, I do this every day and, uh, uh, it's it's because I'm passionate. It's not because I was good at it at first. It's not it's not anything else other than I put the time in and I put the dedication in, and I'm going to continue to do that. 
whether I succeed or not. And ultimately that's, what's going to lead you to succeed is if you can deal with failing every day, like I did for five years straight before you finally end up on a TV show with, with this awesome crew, you know, um, if you love it, do it. That's all I'm going to say. That's what I, that's, that's a great way to put it. I, uh, I, it's it is very passion driven. So Birdman, I hope I hope you're still out there listening. I hope you got something out of that. Hope uh, I didn't scare you off. <laughs> no, I mean I think you did a great great service there. I uh, I don't know if I still see him in chat, but Twitch chat's a weird fickle thing. Um, but it is true. You gave the honest answer, and I think I, I, I'm not saying this is Birdman, but I think a lot of people that we see pop through the Discord and just in general do assume it's going to be. Well, I don't know. I, like I said, I think it depends on what you want to make out of it. Do you just want to be a paranormal mm. investigator on the weekends? Because if so, nothing's stopping you more than your own um, ambition. And uh, I mean, I, I almost don't want to say your tech because you could go out there pretty low tech mm-hmm. and try and communicate That's with something, true. right? Like you don't mm-hmm. having all those cool thousand dollar like kits of equipment is great. But I mean, most people aren't going to start with that. Um Actually, back to your YouTube point, I hear a lot of content creators say, I started recording on my phone and just started uploading that. And it's, it is true. You know, you can spend the money, but you got to have like the knowledge. Mortis says the patience. Um, I think another thing that gets downplayed Mm -hmm. a lot is people don't think of the investigation that goes on before you actually get there. Again, that research side, checking into the house. Um, corroborating things, taking multiple stories into account, betting sources like you and I have been talking about. You know, we talked the the case that Pagan and I looked at that had all kinds of mis like no no cited sources. So gotta be good. <laughs> dot your dot your eyes, cross your T's. That's kind of being a paranormal investigator. Yeah, and one more thing um, is uh, find other groups in your area. Like if you're from, you know. Kyle, you're from Utah, you know, Mm -hmm. find a group in Utah and send them a message to say, hey, I'm a newly starting out investigator. Would could I come along on an investigation or two with you guys to see how you guys do it? You know, get inside your head. Um, I just recently had my first like official paranormal investigation uh, about a month and a half ago. And um, I didn't bring any equipment. I don't have any equipment to bring. I didn't bring any knowledge, but it was awesome because I got to follow these guys around and they'd say like, okay, I'm going to set up a camera here and a few of these objects because we know there's a ghost here who does this and that. And, you know, it was interesting to get inside their head and see how they did it. And once you do that, it'll give you your own ideas or you can even just straight up take their techniques. I don't say take like steal them because they're just they're just things people do. So, you are you know, if you if you copy somebody's method point for point, you know, and that works for you, then great, because there's you know, there's a lot of books about techniques for paranormal investigation. You're you can follow those. You can do it your own way. It's just, you know, it's a personal experience and it's a personal journey so i i suggest to you know treat it that way you know do what feels good for you exactly exactly um so that's a that's a good summary i really like that brian that's that's a good one um hopefully birdman caught it and and people out there at home if you're listening and want to become a paranormal investigator can start right now. yeah and um you know, you guys can uh, reach out to me on Twitter or in Discord. I'm part of the uh, Chaos and Shadow Discord. Um, people ask me questions all the time. 
uh, definitely reach out. I'm happy to answer your questions, uh, have a chat, whatever. Please do. Please, please, please. Okay, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. It makes my day. I love it when people say hi. So. Do we have anything else to add to the Conjuring House article? I... I I wish I I should go watch it. I have a weird tie-in to say that when I was living in LA, I worked with James Wan's crew on when he was doing The Conjuring Two, I think. So like I had a weird tie-in, but I never had anything to do with the actual film itself. Like I was like, oh yeah, we will mm-hmm. get you these interviews, but I don't know, sorry, I'm interested, but right. I never caught it. Um, so mm-hmm. fun James Wan plug-in, who is the director of the thing, but um, yeah, it it's always seemed like a really good one. I don't know why yeah. I've never watched it. I also think I told you mm-hmm. that for The Conjuring, I got to see Lorraine Warren speak. Like, she came by my college for a tour. Yeah, you did say that. And mm-hmm. it was very interesting. They are a, they are a very um, mm. controversial f- group in the paranormal community as I'm delving more into it. I'm seeing that a lot of people have a, uh, mm. you know, just different opinions on their investigative style when they're accusations of what is a demon and not so it's it's the more you learn the more your opinions widen i guess yeah and um something i wanted to say earlier Mm -hmm. is you guys are doing that uh episode or that that talk on you know how to identify an elemental and uh for me as a paranormal investigator i'm gonna have that in my calendar uh is that to no that's that's thursday Uh, thursday. that is thursday yes so how because how you know tell- yeah how to tell the difference because um a lot of people especially on TV uh, they want to embellish things and they'll just say anything remotely negative in a spirit or a haunting is a demon um, and to an extent it's like people speak from their spectrum of knowledge and understanding so if they are not aware of what an elemental is then they wouldn't use that word to describe it um and so for me uh i see it a lot on twitter people saying uh they think there's a demon in their house and stuff like that um but a lot of times i do think uh and i'm not an expert on elementals uh obviously but I think an elemental would be more likely because they're tied to the land mm-hmm. where you built your house. They're tied to the trees you cut down to put your house there. And um, a lot of people will say, like, you know, leave out an offering for the elementals or something like that. And um, I would, uh, I'm personally really looking forward to that because um, I, you know, it's something that first off I didn't really think of until just now, but uh, also something I wouldn't know where to i mean i guess google and stuff like that but um i'd rather hear it from an expert and um yeah and we're gonna have that katie katie webb comes back on to talk about all of her experiences with them because she's had experiences cleansing elementals uh it's it's mm. gonna be an interesting time because i think you're very right i you know without getting into the nitty-gritty of, of thursday stuff I, I think it takes something special to conjure a demon. And to be honest, I think 90% of the people that say they have a demon aren't that special. Like, you know what I mean? We're just average folks <laughs> living our average lives. I think if you're sitting there conjuring a demon, you are one of those then special people. If you're just rolling up in your house and it's just like, oh my God, there's something weird here. Ah, it's doubtful. It's a demon. I mean, you can, you can, you, right. the thing is, Especially, and I think this is one of those ones that gets lost in the paranormal realm because it's it's a tricky balance. 
I think you should always healthily be trying to disprove something until it's time to prove it. And I think that that Absolutely. shifts at some point, too, because we can sit there and disprove to the fa- till the point that we're blue in the face and we sound crazy. Like we're throwing just such <laughs> stupid common day things at it that it's like, OK, you're, you're bending over backwards way too hard to prove one way or the other Prove what you want to believe basically yes and i think in this way again not to say that demonic you know infestations aren't real not to say that people haven't had them but is it to say again that most people are probably not special enough to attract a demon yeah i mean i don't unless you're sitting there invoking it true you've got to have it's like yeah, you got to keep in mind, sorry to interrupt you, Kyle, You're that fine. demons from our understanding are highly intelligent, free-willed beings. Like, what would they, why would they be trapped in your house, I guess? Uh, what would they want from it, from being there, really? Because uh, if you, I mean, think of a demon as like a greater being, kind of more than a ghost, more than a human spirit, a powerful entity, what are they? What do they really want from you? Um, and it, you know, and it's true that there are probably there are entities that feed on like they sense deep, dark depression or anger within a person, and that attracts that spirit to you. But even then, is it necessarily a demon? We don't know. I mean, it could be. It definitely could be. But um, I kind of agree with what Kyle's saying. It's like. I feel like nine out of ten times, it's probably something else. I think you hit it really well there, too, in that I do thoroughly believe in that your mental state and well-being plays a lot into it. Like you said, if you're depressed, um, I also think that for demons, you have to this is my interpretation. I could be totally wrong in the real world, but I always run with the interpretation. You have to believe in them to be empowering them. So, like, you have to be afraid of demons getting you before demons are going to come and get you. Because, it, you know, I, I that would be chumming the water, I think. And, and I see that again online. I guess we can just as a fun Halloween week discussion to have. But I do think I, I, I heard the idea of. I don't even know where to begin on this. It ties all into itself, which is why it's like there's so many different heads to what I'm trying to explain. Manifestation theory <laughs> is, I guess, the, the way to describe it in Umbrella. That if you're thinking about something, you can materialize it in some way. And in the in that sense, okay. the s- more scared you make yourself watching YouTube or anything like that, the more you could actually stir up paranormal activity in your house or in your life. So when Mm. I see some of these people that come through Discord and they'll say they have a demonic infestation or something like that, and then in the Mm. next phrase they tell us that they love to scare themselves out of their mind, (laughs) I go, okay, well, real or not, like actual haunting demon, any sort of not you, or if it's just Mm. you and your brain making those creaks in your house that always exist into something, you sitting there and like channeling that energy on it, you repeating that in your mind, you psyching yourself out, uh, is either gonna Mm -hmm. A, attract something, you're just gonna fantasize there's something there and you're gonna get scared at the end of the day more. So do I think it's likely that it's in your head a lot of the time? Yes. When you start to get actual evidence of things, again, do I think it's a demon right away? No, I think what you were saying about it could just be a negative human element in the house. Maybe your depression is actually seeping into the person that used to inhabit that area. And now they're spiritually weirdly Hmm. depressed in their ghost form. And now they, you know, (laughs) 
I don't know. It just feels like yeah. there's a strong feedback loop to energy. So I think you could affect yes. the spirits around you as much as you affect them. That's a really good way to put it, Kyle, as a feedback loop, because a lot of things in life are uh, what's called a positive feedback loop where, you know, you feel scared. So you imagine things which make you feel even more scared, which make you imagine more things. And it's it just it, it spirals out of control. And um, I think sometimes that can definitely be the case, uh, especially when you have instances of like one person says something weird and then another person thinks they hear it. And then you as the third person, you're more likely to believe it and psych yourself out. Um, stuff like that. So, um, I, I try not to dismiss it when people say that they think something weird is going on. I try and I try and listen to them, but I also try and take it with a grain of salt because um, there's a lot of mental factors into it, not just like, you know, we as people like to kind of psych ourselves out, mm -hmm. um, but mental illness like schizophrenia, um, bipolar disorder can cause delusions, uh, paranoid delusions. Um, all kinds of stuff. And I don't want to talk down to anyone with mental illness. I mean, I have mental illness and, um, I would hate for somebody to dismiss me in any way. Um, but you know, other factors like mold, uh, black mold can cause hallucinations, uh, all kinds of stuff. And, um, while it might be truthful that the person is experiencing these things, it's like you also have to really look at the cause because, you know, if you just tell them, oh, yeah, it's a demon, let's burn some sage for three months, and it turns out that person's house was full of radon and they and then they die. I mean, it's yeah. like, really? I mean, that's a, that's a really great, great point, too. Um, and then that's something that I don't feel... Probably super like qualified myself to talk about just yet because i'm new to it but the efficacy of being a paranormal investigator is definitely something maybe we should have some investigators on in the future to discuss that exactly what you said which is ruling out um common or medical or you know real tactile you hands-on things that you can actually go and test for through your local hardware store right you know get the carbon monoxide detector right. throw it in the house if that baby starts going off you know there's a problem you can call in people to run tests like that you can call in your gas company and a lot of that stuff you're right should be done before um we just go and say like that's an evil entity. And mm. I, I think the importance to that is at the end of the day, I encourage people to go out, binge the paranormal as much as you like, you know, be in, as involved in that field as it is healthy for you. But the healthy aspect is the part that really comes back and to be reiterated is don't obsess over any of it to the point that you're, you know, uncomfortable. Don't be reading it to the point that you're not happy in your home. Um, don't be out there giving advice to folks when you yourself haven't thought through all the steps. And that's the one I think we see a lot of the time in social media and stuff these days is everyone wants to say demon, demon, demon. And it does mm. chip away at some of the validity of the folks that are actually out there investigating for real, um, which I am not necessarily one of them. I want to say, like, I carry their level of standards, but I'm not out there investigating myself. So. I can just sit here and try and warn people when I see the missing common things that it could be. You know, why, why is it a demon? Why do you think it's evil? What is what is it making it come across that way? I'm trying to ask like the open-ended questions that get people mm. thinking, 
not trying to match their experiences to an arcane tome. Like you said, not trying right. to bend it to fit and reinforce what they want to believe. So it's not about dismissing yeah, anyone's stuff either. You know, like if you're experiencing something, it's probably real to you. Now, to what degree it's right. actually real to other folks, we don't know. I don't can't even prove on. <laughs> I cannot use anything in my toolkit to prove that any of you exist outside of my head. <laughs> any it all you? comes back to the simulation, ah! doesn't it? <laughs> hey, we did. We talked about that last week. But it is interesting, right? Could someone be experiencing paranormal activity that literally no one else can see? Yes, I definitely think that's true, um, whether it be from mental illness or, you know, hallucination, it's definitely possible. Or it could just be that, you know, some people are psychically gifted and other people aren't. So, you know, it could be, um, it could be a lot. And it's, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to see like what you were saying about the long-term investigations as compared to the short-term ones, mm -hmm. because you'll see people who like, once they're removed from a home that they believe is haunted, everything stops, or you'll have it where they're removed from it and it keeps happening. So it's like, you know, in certain cases it could could be that the house was haunted. It could be that the house had some mold issues. Uh, and you know it could be anything um but i try and balance like I, I think i've said this every episode including this one now is that you know to look at the paranormal from an objective standpoint um you have to have a healthy a healthy balance of extreme skepticism and extreme open-mindedness because it's like you can't rule anything out basically. And it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a kind of crazy balance to achieve, but that is sort of the mindset, uh, that I try and get into. And a lot of the investigators I know who I, I take seriously, they kind of have that same thing too. They'll, they'll try and debunk it, but then you have people that will say things that just don't make any sense to try and debunk it. And it's like, or people who say things that don't make sense at all to try and, you know, prove to you that yes, it's a demon in my house or whatever. Um, there's people on both ends of the spectrum that will just try and find things to fit their pre-existing beliefs. As well said, it's, it's a call. It's common. We see it all the time. We see it every day. Uh, I probably do it too. And it's like, I, I think I don't, I always try and look at as many facts as I can, but at the same time, I am a little biased to just believe what I've already kind of convinced myself of. So, yeah, it is, it is very, it's very hard. It's very challenging to get our brains out of that, that kind of, kind of loop, but it, it is, I think what makes us good <laughs> investigators as, as a whole, the paranormal community. Um, I think listening to other people is the important part, too, because, yeah, bringing, bringing in other investigative styles, challenging what we think to be the case is, is what's very important about it. And I think that it's um, relying on one another, um, borrowing from one another's toolkits that helps us be even more thorough. So it'll be a very fun one. I also want to tease, Brian hasn't heard of this yet either because it's literally just materialized this morning, but another person we have coming by is a paranormal investigator who appeared on um, Zach Baggins' show. 
And she worked with them on a demonic investigation when they were doing the Pacific Northwest stuff. Um, so she hmm. she got in touch with her. She's going to come on to talk to us just a little bit about how people can like protect themselves at home about uh, with negative entities. So that's probably going to turn into another kind of workshop thing, yes. maybe one of our first guest ones. And I thought that would be good hmm. because it plays on the idea of demons. But, um, you know, we here we try and give people very... I want to say like non-extremist ways to handle things uh, going back to my mention earlier about i think a, a lot of it's what you give power to uh i i think mm -hmm. that's i don't think that's going to solve every problem you run into i do think that there's going to be more extreme ones but i think when you're in one of those situations where it's like a teeter-totter in your own home maybe there's an entity maybe you're like you know agitating it in some way i think those are the cases where it's like mm. no if you breathe if you take that time you center yourself you're not afraid you're not giving it power things are probably gonna go back to normal to some degree if that's a, actually a paranormal thing so david thank yeah. you for that compliment <laughs> yeah david came by to say yeah. i love the fact that you went from streaming games to streaming paranormal podcasts i love paranormal stuff and speaking <laughs> of which have you listened to welcome to night veil vale, the podcast i love it it's a great fictional show like you said if anyone out there has not listened to night veil vale, it is a good one it is like absurdist humor oh it's a good one brian you should <laughs> i mean it's free on you know any podcast player uh you start well i don't i don't know actually maybe david would tell people where to start because you might be able to pick up almost anywhere in it it's very it's a very long it's kind of a radio drama it's very cute and i do not do not mean long as in tiresome or tedious i mean long as in like i think it's been going on for over five years now so there's like a lot of content but there are all these um. cute scenarios built around this almost like area 51 town uh they're like kind of cut off from the rest of the united they have their own weird town council where ancient practices mm. may happen and things it's just fun again <laughs> welcome to chat how you doing pixie good to have you here today Anything else for this house, Brian? Anything else you want to leave on the conjuring note on the idea of any of that? Um, well, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, just if uh, if you like the paranormal or even if you don't, I feel like uh, this house being opened as a museum and kind of a tourist attraction, uh, it would be interesting to see it and learn about the history of this woman who allegedly was crazy and killed her child and all this stuff. Um, I personally love history tours or like legend tripping, I think is what they call it when you go during the day. Um, yeah, I think it's really cool. And uh, I think, you know, we had talked about this a while back at the paratourism kind of industry that's taking place. Um, a lot of these houses that you know, this is a very old house. If you look at the conjuring house, it's, it's kind of not the greatest. And, uh, you know, it could have been torn down or something like that. And, uh, you know, these people turning it into a museum and a tourist destination, they've essentially saved this place from being taken down by, you know, the passage of time. It, it, it saves these locations. And I think it's really cool uh, that somebody saw the value in this place and decided to buy it and preserve it. I like it. You, you, you talked about that before, you know, that is one of the strongest benefits I'd say. I, I overall like paratourism. I hope I didn't give off the opinion in that episode that we talked about. I was like, you know, there is a, um, 
healthy skepticism to paratourism, which you have to have in some of those cases you're we're right. talking about. But I agree with you. The overall net benefit to paratourism is huge. These historic right. sites get to be preserved. Uh, I love I love cases. I, I, again, I from what you're saying, I kind of trust this family just off the bat. Like they sound really cool. They're investigating there and all kinds <laughs> of stuff. They're very invested in the, the actual thing. It doesn't sound like they're as invested in selling the hype as much as like no come come see this if you want to come and stay come right. and stay like let's yeah so hmm. conjuring house i give you a thumbs up uh brian we're already at the time to take another break can you believe an hour's flown by <laughs> literally in that, that know, short amount I, of time i know so chat. it's because we're having a fun conversation it's like I, I feel like these episodes end and i'm like wow my whole afternoon just went by and uh I feel like we just got started. Like we're just at the edge of the rabbit hole. <laughs> it's true. Ready to dive in. Uh, it's true. They, they spark it, such good conversations. That's why I like I, I chat. Let us know how you feel about these formats for Tuesdays, but they're very, very fun. I love it. We, we have these, you know, three or four headlines or something to spark conversations off of and start, start off of things in chat. Cause that was a really good question earlier about how to become an investigator. Up next, we're going to talk to you about people claiming to see more hauntings than ever before now that it's quarantine time. Look, our friends the Newkirks are up there. Uh, this is a Sci-Fi Ooh. Wire article. So that looks like the Estes method he's trying to do, Greg. I don't know. Actually, it looks like someone's reading his. Yeah, mm. I don't see a blind hold fold or ear muffs, but that is, I think, they're like... Oh, maybe that's their other one. I think they have maybe a god helmet type of one, too, that uses the magnet. Oh, man. Yeah. I would love to try one of those. Those That sounds so cool. <laughs> that might be that, actually, because they have it on. They have the two PC set up there for us. That might be it. But um, we're going to get oh, back wow. and talk about this tomorrow. Tomorrow, you guys, 9 a.m. Pacific time, the stream starts. That is noon Eastern. We will be... Um, on the Twitch homepage. It's going to be very exciting. We're doing a workshop on sigils. We're going to be diving into so much content. We have uh, Laura Tempest-Zakrov coming by tomorrow. Brian's going to be back tomorrow. It's going to be a great day. So make sure you have something tomorrow to actually write with, whether it's a whiteboard, pen and paper, do what you want. Um, but that'll be tomorrow's mm. show. Thursday, Katie Webb is coming by to talk about elementals when we record the podcast. And Friday is going to be more of our screening time. So come with questions. We play with the tarot cards, I'm sure. So come with tarot questions if you guys want to do any of those. Uh, but for right now, taking a five-minute break, we'll be back to talk to you about hauntings increasing. This is going to be a good one, Brian. Chat with you yes. in five. Whoop. And we are back. Hello, Brian. Hey, all right. Welcome back, guys. Woo. I'm trying to, I, I think I learned something really important about exporting these uh, to Spotify last week. That was my very first time trying to take something of this size and do it. Because I think last week's episode wound up being about uh, two and a half hours when I cut out our, our breaks and stuff like that. So it was it was yeah. a nice long one, and I think I figured out how to do it in a great way where it will like export each of the breaks nicely and and do a thing. So there's a cut there if we want to add music later, or whatever. So we're awesome. learning, we're we're figuring it out one step at a time. Mac, welcome to chat. Yeah. So Birdman and David were actually just talking about um, 
Spotify it in some way. I was telling Birdman, I said, he, he missed the question. I said, grab it in the after thing, because these get archived up to Spotify, to iTunes, Google Play. Um, actually, I don't think it's on iTunes yet. This is their crunch time of year. They actually have a manual team that goes through and like approves these. And they oh. work in such an OG style. They actually send out an email every year that's like, hey, guys, hi, podcasters. We're going to be taking our holiday break from these dates to these dates. So we'll be out of office. So any new shows you're going to submit, please do in advance. It's I like it, actually. Oh, wow. It's this kind of like it, it's slower, but I'm like, I'm glad iTunes has a real person there approving. Yeah. And if you email them, you get a real response from like a real human that's like, yeah, my name's Ted. I work in the podcast division. Like, how, like they'll set up creator pages for that's you awesome. and they do it very manually. So it is it is nice. I like it slower, but whatever. There's a quality to iTunes. And if it ever breaks, they're right yeah. there to help you with it. So that's the cool thing. Um, so hi Definitely. to everyone that's joining us. We got TG Clerics in chat. We got Irish Guy in chat. So I will remind again, uh, tomorrow, that is Wednesday, October 28th. We're on the Twitch homepage. Stream starts at 9 a.m. Pacific time, noon Eastern. We'll be diving into a sigils workshop. So you can do that at home. You can follow along, bring your pen and paper. And then we'll be joined by Laura Zakroff at the end. She's going to be talking with us, giving more insight because Pagan and I draw a lot from her and from others. So she's going to be our uh, our real tentpole there to 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 le lend any other facts to it. She just knows so much. Spoke to her last night for an interview, and I my brain. I'm surprised I can keep my composure like when we're talking to these folks because they melt your brain. You know, at the same time they're dropping all this like information on you. I'm like, what? How's that even? Yeah, you guys have gotten some really cool guests lately. I'm I'm so excited for that. Yes, and and we are going to bring some more by this live show in the morning. So Brian, I I'm so excited to have you here. This has been absolutely wonderful. Your guys' support out there has Same. meant so much. Um, to see all the feedback about the morning show definitely keeps me super super eager. So yeah, we're looking yeah, at bringing awesome. on the small town monsters crew that is behind many of the paranormal documentaries you guys have maybe already seen small town mm -hmm. they have a lot like it's it's quite a collection is why i say you've probably watched it and maybe just not sucked in the name if it's unfamiliar maybe take a look uh here they've mm -hmm. got bell witch mothman legacy bigfoot they did the champ series we referenced before uh on the trail of ufos mm -hmm. uh beast of whitehall boggy creek monster there are a lot you've probably heard someone reference them before so they're gonna be kind enough to come on to talk about their latest one the mothman legacy that brian and i spoke about in last week's show yes a good one yeah these all look really cool and uh i'm glad you brought that up again because there's one about champy uh the loch ness monster of vermont that i made a mental note that i wanted to go back and watch but i totally forgot and now it's in my it's in my compass again so i'm gonna try and remember now i have an important question to ask regarding champ you call him champy oh, I have uh -huh. only heard him called Champ. Is that one of those things mm. that doesn't like, is that like an ultra regional thing that people actually refer to him it as Champy? Be. Yeah, it must be. That's what I've always heard people call him here. That's interesting. I, I, yeah, I didn't realize you guys didn't call him Champy. I thought everyone did. <laughs> no, no. And it, I've actually, until you, I'd never heard it referred to as Champy. So that's why I was like, the first thing that came to my mind is 
Was it A, like a slip when Brian first said it, which I didn't think it was. And then, you know, hearing you say it again, I was like, okay, I'm thinking this is like something that's super regional and you kind of know. You, you can tell when someone's nose champy uh, from the area. Right. It must be. Yeah. Cause I'm from Vermont, which is where the Lake Champlain monster, AKA champ, AKA champy. If you are as buddy like us Vermonters, I guess are huh. just as best buddies. So yeah, that's what I've heard it called. And now I'm doubting myself though. Cause like sometimes I will say something and I'll just keep saying it. So, uh, but I don't think, yeah, I'm almost positive. That's, that's what people call it up here. That's interesting. <laughs> now you can, now you know, Chad, now you know how to spot someone that's a, a, a real local, I guess, to champ, more champy. <laughs> yeah. So I like that. Mac loves champ too. Uh, yes. So let champ us a good one. transition here briefly to our last article of the day day you guys it is hard yes. to believe that we've uh bs'd our way through so much we just have so much to say with everything this i is... know there's so many different conversations we could have about each of these articles and like we only end up having two or three about each articles but in my head i'm like oh man we could have spent all three hours on this one article you oh know, a lot of the time some of them it's like you know there's not much to talk about or you're beating a dead horse but uh, some of these, it's just like I could just talk, uh, especially with you, Kyle, because like you come up with some really interesting things. And I like that you're a critical minded person and like you'll you'll think on both ways. You'll think about debunking and you'll think about why it could also be true, which is like, you know, I feel like we have some really interesting conversations. I do, too. And when you said that, I thought, you know, we almost have to work at times, like you said, to debunk the debunking being like, that's all that's too silly to be real. Like that, It's a. Yeah. It's a great balance. I love it. That's why I love having you and Peg in as co-hosts as well, because you guys bring such it's it's such an awesome energy to have here. So I appreciate yeah. all the insights. Like I said, the guests that have come by have been so nice. So we're so thankful to people that are in the upcoming. This is going to be a great week with lots of people coming by. Make sure you have your, your alerts turned on. If you're not in the Discord, go and do that. Discord.gg forward slash paranormal. Uh, you can check out our Twitters. We have all those linked in our show notes. If you're in chat, you can find them. Also, um, I think it's all set up. If you guys go into the panels on Twitch, Pagan did a major overhaul. I might have like one or two more to tweak. So it's, I'll have it ready for Wednesday tomorrow, but, uh, it's looking really nice. I, she did a great job. Now you got panels on Brian, Pagan, myself, Louie's got one. And mm -hmm. I did something good with my old Patreon that I abandoned. I turned it into a complete Louie Patreon. So for the folks that are over there, thank you for continuing to support him. It's all like pictures of him now. And I think that's what Louis people Louie needs wanted. a Twitter now. He, uh, I have an Instagram for him, but I'm too lazy to update oh, there you it. Go. I just, well, he'll need to start doing it himself. I know. Who wants he to be Who wants to come and be Louis's full-time publicist? He's hiring. He doesn't yeah, pay, but but he needs a He needs a PR guy. He does. And it's not going to be me. Sorry, Louis. Sorry, <laughs> Louis. Hi Captain Krabs. Welcome aboard. <laughs> yes, says TG. Well, you know what? You guys could be uh his his Twitter running team. Why don't you guys just screen cap a bunch uh, of Louis pics in the background and uh you guys can run the Twitter forum. <laughs> Caption yeah, his thoughts. Yeah, I spend way too much time on Twitter, so uh, I'm going to bow out of that one. <laughs> yeah, no, someone from chat got to do it. Brian's busy co-hosting. Okay, 
Let's actually do that. We'll co-host this article for a second. People claiming more hauntings than ever in quarantine. What does that mean? Uh, This is actually really funny to have this as a subject because Pagan and I, this is the article, this is the headline, I should say, not the article, the headline that kicked off Chaos and Shadow. It's what brought us here now. Hmm. We talked about the increase of, this would have been in like July, I think, about the increase in paranormal activity at that time. To see it increasing this many months later, I find Hmm. that, I don't know. How do you feel about this, Brian? You want to set this up for people? Sure. So um, I was reading into this a little bit, and I guess this article was first published in the New York Times last spring. Uh, So I remember hearing about it that time, and a lot of people in the paranormal community read the article and had feedback on it, and a lot of them were saying that they as well – we're experiencing an increased amount of, uh, Kyle said hauntings, but I'm going to say an increased amount of paranormal activity because like, you know, maybe not more places are haunted, but we're definitely, uh, capturing more, uh, phenomena. So, um, I think it's interesting and I definitely think there are some reasons for it. I have some theories behind it. Um, but I also did a poll on my Twitter and I'm going to pull that up real quick. Yeah, that, that's excellent. Yes. So yesterday I did a poll on my Twitter and here's how, here's what it says. Hey guys, I've been hearing a lot of talk that ever since quarantine started, people have been experiencing more paranormal activity, ghost sightings, etc. Have you noticed this too? I got 106 votes. Um, 51% of people said that they didn't notice any changes, which, you know, it's understandable. But 45% of people said that they did. And about 3% of people said that they hadn't experienced as much paranormal activity, which leads me to think. But for the most part, yeah. So for the most part, about 45% of people polled on a poll of about 106 people And these people come from all different areas as well on my Twitter, you know, different countries even. So um, about half of them, 45% of people said that they did perceive an increase in paranormal activity. Um, So I know, you know, a lot of people theorize it's just like, you know, you're home more and you notice it now, whereas you didn't before. Um, and that's kind of what I was thinking as well. Um, but yeah, so Kyle has it pulled up there. Yeah, you can see the numbers, 45%. So looking at it analytically, the first thing that comes to my mind is is there are, we, I think we could round it to, to say 100 people. It's 106. But let's just say for yep. ease of use, we've got, because we can look at that. You can visualize a room of 100 people, right? Now, we know these yeah. folks are more ghostly inclined anyway, because they're following you, right? They have an interest in this subject. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is an interesting amount. I myself didn't notice anything, so I voted, you know, no change, Same. as you can see on mine. Uh, but mm-hmm. that's still, even if you take a room of 100 people, even if those 100 and people are believers, or at least open to the idea of it, that's a lot of people claiming to see an increase. We got 40, I'd say out of 100 people, you're yeah. looking at about 44 of those people are saying their increases you know it's going up at home or something 
Yeah, and, and if you if you look at the population of America and scale that to around 300 million people, that's around like that's over 100 million people if you scale if you take that ratio and I'm not saying that this is true, but from a mathematician perspective like that ratio it's uh it's an insanely huge number of people if the entire country had participated in this poll and the numbers had been the same, that would be over 100 million people in this country that have experienced an increased amount of paranormal activity, which is like, um, I think part of that can probably be dismissed as either the place was haunted before and they just never noticed it. Cause like, you know, if you normally work nights and you're not home at night and suddenly you're home every night, you know, uh, you might notice things. And then on the other end of that spectrum, I also kind of think that um, people aren't used to being home in the morning when their house is doing some weird creaks and groans because of the temperature changes or whatever, stuff like that. So I think some of it can be explained, but overall, it it is a a rather large number to just dismiss. Like if it had been like 20% or whatever, but that's almost half of the people that participated in this poll said yeah. that they did. So it's like, it's kind of a lot. Mortis is calling out some great stuff in chat. Um, it, it is, it is important to, to really reflect on what these stats can mean because it, it does not go and say, 100% definitively, yeah, there's this huge spike in the paranormal world. You know, there are many good reasons, many good explanations in, in both sides of that spectrum. Mortis is calling out two great pivotal ones here in, in chat saying, number one, it's worrying times. Spirits can feed off that energy, right? There's a lot of negativity. You and I talked about that before the mm. break that, you know, how does your energy influence the spirits that are around you um, and, you know, do you attract that negativity back at you when you're putting it out there? Uh, and on mm. the other side, Mortis is saying investigators or investigations aren't going on as much this year because of the pandemic. If people are starting to investigate again, going to places that usually have a lot of foot traffic and not so much. Now, returning to those places, people may be seeing more activity due to energy buildup. I think I think those are solid. Um, mm. Yeah. For why both I, good points. I think the opposing it, one really quickly, like you touched on a second ago, is just people being home, you're hearing more noises, you're in a state of actual grief anyway. You know, there's a lot of mental stress mm -hmm. on folks. So on the other side, there's also good rational explanations for some of these as well. Yeah. And, you know, those are good points, uh, Mortis. And uh, it could be a combination of all of the above. You know, we're noticing it. There's a buildup of energy. There's a buildup of sadness and despair and stuff like that. And uh, one of the one of the people, one of my followers uh, who commented on my poll uh, said that they'd also been having really troubling nightmares since the pandemic started. And uh, this person is somebody uh, who is a, uh, an empath and a sensitive. And I 100% I believe this person. It's somebody I've gotten to know on Twitter over the last few years. And, um, and I think that's a possibility too, is like, you know, the stress affects you on a subconscious level. Like maybe you had to make changes in your job or in your schedule or how you do things. I mean, it's affected pretty much everybody. Um, so I'm really not surprised to learn about that type of thing where, you know, your sub 
you might be handling it well on the outside. Your conscious mind might be doing well, but subconsciously you still have to process this all. You still have fears that maybe you're not uh, consciously aware of the fear of, you know, what's going to happen if I lose my job, what's going to happen if I can't pay my rent, can't put food on the table. And uh, I'm, I think we've all had those struggles, those thoughts in the last year. And it's really, it takes a toll on people and uh, one theory, sorry to just keep talking here. No, but, uh, continue, please. <laughs> the one theory I had, and I wanted to save it for last because mm-hmm. in my opinion, it was the most interesting one. But you know how like there's that theory that uh, poltergeists aren't actually ghosts. They're just caused by uh, the, the tension of an emotional person like, uh, you know, and those thoughts of, uh, tension and stress and fear can manifest as paranormal activity. Like, you know, you're just, you're, you're stirring, you're seething so much inside that it, you know, it, it comes out and things fly across the room and you're like, it's a ghost. Uh, it could be something like that, you know, where you're cooped up at home all day and you're stressed and you're angry and everyone's kind of on edge these days. And, uh, I can absolutely see that being a phenomenon too, that, that we're experiencing is maybe it's our own energy just coming out and, uh, manifesting that way. I think you could be very right. And it it really does beg so many questions in my mind of what again is reality what what is reality i this this is i don't know i think i'm going crazy but to it's a simulation so it doesn't matter to I'm back <laughs> my to back my my rational insanity if you will that's a weird way to put it to back my logical insanity here's a quote from the sci-fi wire article major depressive episodes can have psychotic episodes of visual or auditory hallucinations that seem absolutely real sarah combs a psychotherapist who has been on many paranormal investigations tells the sci-fi wire quote Anyone can be depressed if it's severe enough. It can mess with your brain chemicals and it can absolutely produce hallucinations, end quote. Yes. Which, like, yes. Ooh, if I can continue for a sec, it begs so many questions of like, well, then, I mean, if someone is actually experiencing visual hallucinations and science can agree, yes, that is a visual hallucination, I guess, mm-hmm. I mean, what's to say you're they're not effectively in one way being haunted i mean they're being haunted by their mind but that is that's true i heard a great speaker at PhenomenaCon say something to the effect of it would be a lot harder for entities to affect physical objects in the real world whereas it would cost much less energy to just make you hallucinate something because just energetically, yes. like moving a chair sounds hard. It's hard to move a chair. You have to, eh. mm. but to make someone just right. feel a thing, smell a smell, uh, any of those could they just be happening mm. up in our own brains some of the time? Yes, and that's a really common uh, thing. I believe the Warrens uh, talk about this in some of their lectures, but there are different stages to a haunting or a possession. And the first stage is uh, one of the first stages is oppression, where 
um, the entity basically it will wear you down emotionally um, by causing you to feel depressed and sad and like maybe you think you're actually legitimately feeling sad over the fact that you know there's this whole pandemic going on um, but it you know a lot of it, it if if you do believe that entities uh, exist that can have an effect on you I agree with Kyle and it, it's a lot of energy for something that has no mass to move something. I have mass, I can move whatever I want, but for, you know, an ethereal being that doesn't have any mass, you'd have to imagine that requires an incredible amount of energy and concentration. Whereas if they can just kind of affect the way you feel and let you do all the, all the bad stuff yourself, it's, I mean, it, yeah. it is how it starts. And, and a lot of, uh possessions it starts with the infestation which is the haunting and then the oppression which is the effect that the haunting has on you and then the the possession which is when that being whether it enters your body and controls you or whether it controls you it possesses you to do its bidding in other ways by controlling your emotions um I think uh, I think possession. Uh, a lot of people don't associate it with spirits, but in a way, I feel like it could be because you know a spirit can do the same thing to you. A demon could do that too. Um, I could see that. Um, we got some good questions. I where I was going. <laughs> well, we have some good questions here in in chat, but I want to touch on a couple. There's some great Newkirk quotes in here that I'll throw out at people as well. Um, give me a second to find one because I scrolled past. I think this is Dana's here. Uh, yes, Dana Newkirk. Quote, you can actually manifest that stuff around you in intense and scary ways. And it is just completely 100% you. Um, that That is a end quote there. That, that's a big thing that the Newkirks put forward is that there's a lot of it coming from you. Like you had said uh, when mm -hmm. it comes to poltergeist. So here's another Greg quote in here greg saying quote people who start to have paranormal experiences are typically in transition or in a transit transitionary state end quote talking about liminal spaces where if you're in a spot in your life where you're shifting around we see that a lot with the traditional poltergeist idea where it happens to people going yes. through puberty especially puberty, when yeah. hormones are high and your ra rationale is low and honestly in my own life Absolutely. that's when i saw i had my own like paranormal experiences the most they were never like groundbreaking mm -hmm. experiences even to me you know i questioned if i you know had them but i will say that was the time in my life where i experienced way more than i ever have since um yeah it makes sense it really does because um you know energy and frequencies and uh they have properties and powers that we don't understand yet scientifically and if you think that, you know, when your brain is depressed, you're on a certain frequency and perhaps, you know, if you believe uh, our aura, for example, from a scientific perspective, I think that could just be the electromagnetic energy that's put off by the electronic impulses set off by your brain. And if you're on a depressed frequency and you have an electromagnetic aura around you, I mean, who's to say that you couldn't be physically affecting the frequency and properties of the things around you, not only the people, but the objects, uh, you know, it's, it's, 
definitely possible. I'm not saying I believe that, but it's something I've thought about before and I've kind of theorized about before. It's like, we don't know. And, you know, people believe in auras, people believe in energy and, and frequency and all this stuff. And we just don't know how it all fits together yet. But it's so interesting to think about because that could be behind a lot of what's happening here. People are freaking themselves out or they're their emotions are manifesting in a way that we don't scientifically understand yet. Uh, thus the poltergeist, you know, kind of hypothesis that I was talking about. That's so interesting. I, I will say, I guess of my background to all things paranormal, my backbone, the fundamental principle I have in my mind when it comes to the paranormal is I do believe that there's, let's say energies or frequencies or whatever out there that we just don't understand yet. That to me seems like a scientific truth in my mind, just because we constantly yes. learn about things that are right in front of our faces or going right through us that we just didn't know about yesterday because we didn't know to test for it. We didn't know how to do it. We didn't have the technology to do it, whatever it is. So I always believe that there's more than what we have right in front of us because historically, we have always had that, and it's yet to prove itself untrue. I, uh, it's Absolutely. just an abs—it's an absolute fundamental truth to me. So when we talk about mm -hmm. this, yeah, that—that that is why I like to come at them both as the believer and the skeptical at the same time, because it's like, well, the skeptical in me says that there's all these possibilities just because science says so. Like, that's our history. Yes. And so the believer says, well, could it be this? Could it be that? Or is it just more likely to be the other? And I think it's potentially, like, you're getting a very big mix in this case. It's interesting to mm -hmm. think that if there is something to people having very strong auras, if there is something to a collective unconscious, we are the biggest the human population has ever been before we are mm -hmm. also arguably um i'd say since any of the world wars which had less population i think globally we're all really worked up at this time you know yeah. this pandemic is not just here in the states this is everywhere people are feeling mm -hmm. extreme loss in their personal lives so in mm. either or both ways it could make sense that this is supernatural or completely just chemical in the brain or what i like to think more likely a combination of both where it is just yes. trauma begetting trauma mm. you know like you're right. down from the real world and it feeds into energy and maybe they're harassing you more i don't right hard to say yet right and it's uh you know on the subject of like you know universal subconscious type of thing um, you know, people are more connected than ever because of the internet. We're more in tune with each other's feelings. Um, I want to say, you know, this time in humanity, people are different than they were before. They, people, to an extent, I think, are a little more open-minded um, and, you know, being in connection with people, but okay, so I'm getting off track. But what I was going to say about universal subconscious is like what I was saying about your aura, you know, if you're surrounded by an electromagnetic field because of, you know, your brain impulses, mm -hmm. and the earth is surrounded with an electromagnetic field as well, mm -hmm. that field covers everyone else's aura. And so can you tap into that electromagnetic field of the earth? Does it contain any conscious information is it is possible. And it's like, you know, 
there are things that people believe, like you have an aura, and we have a little science. And I like to try and connect the dots, like how could this be possible given our current scientific understanding? And there are a lot of things that you know paranormal that seem paranormal that you can just say to yourself that could be possible because of what I under what I what I know and understand of the world. It you can make that connection you can't prove it but it's possible and um things like universal subconscious and you know there's a lot of weird phenomena that i think can all be explained scientifically someday once we reach an understanding i really do too i mean man there's there's weird stuff that like we just don't even know about this is totally tangential but i think it's all theoretically linked together but i i like to bring up the one that is so freaking eerie how you can tell if someone is staring at you from across the room even if you're not looking in their direction i am sure you've all had that happen in your life and i was taking public transit to a job not that long ago about a year or so back and, you know, it's not that, like people were staring, staring, but you would be able to tell when someone was just had their gaze on you too long. And it's like it's eerie that we have these parts and science backs that mm. to say, great, you know, there's there is something in our brain that makes it easy for us to lock on to eyes. Um, we know that we like to do that for images. Netflix utilizes that in their algorithm of feeding you um, specific things. They know to put faces there because it attracts you so on and so forth. Marketing uses these as facts, but there's also, you know, again, we just don't know those simple things about ourselves. Why do we know when we have a gaze on us? It does seem like a defense mechanism for sure. Seems like a great hmm. one at that, but um, yeah. how, why is that there? What, if we're not looking at them, then what is telling us that someone's staring at us? I don't know. Hmm. And I'm mixing a little pseudoscience in there to the, you know, I, I'm not an expert in that field, but I'm just dropping those kind of ideas to get people right. thinking that hmm. there are yeah from a yeah go ahead yeah i mean like a sixth sense people have talked about having a sixth sense for uh, throughout history and it's like if people are observing this phenomenon phenomenon sorry just because we can't explain it doesn't mean it's not happening that's big that is yeah, big. That I, is that is a huge statement right there. Yes, the uh, absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence, to quote a movie I've never seen. It's very important because I, we've, we've said this a lot that, you know, we're in a world where it's very hard to tell what is exactly facts. And, not, and I think that makes it also really quick to dismiss things that we just don't fully understand yet as Yes. bullshit you know ah well we don't know that we can't prove that we let's not even look at it and it's like that's not healthy though when has that ever it's like um hmm it's 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 like almost the counter reactionary sort of approach it, it just it feels like a, a knee-jerk reaction that's that's not good um that prevents people mm-hmm. from looking under stones that probably should be looked into or under um, yes. Let's hit. Sorry, TG Clerics. We we've left off of your question here for a while. Uh, part of it is that I don't actually know the answer to this one. TG says, "How can you know an entity is draining you or running you down?" Brian, you had mentioned this. Do you have any more insight you want to drop on, even generally? Um. Yeah. Sure. So, um, 
for the most part, I mean, I assume most people know themselves pretty well. And um, I, I would pay attention to a few things and uh, like, I'm not an expert and I really feel like if you're experiencing anything uh, to reach out to somebody that isn't me, cause um, I wouldn't feel right giving you like a professional opinion if you needed help. Um, but things to keep in mind that I commonly hear about are excessive fatigue, uh, getting tired for no real reason. Um, emotional volatility uh either because you know if you're a pretty emotionally stable person and you suddenly start experiencing episodes of depression uh episodes of anger angry outbursts stuff like that that you if you look about you know in the moment these things seem real um but when you look back on it you might say why was i doing that what what was it and um you know, if stuff like that does start happening to you, um, it could not be paranormal related. You know, it's important to keep your mental health in mind. And, um, you know, if if you're stressed or whatever, talk to somebody. Uh, I've I've gone to therapy before. There's no shame in it. And it's, no, you know, no. having a professional opinion it can be very uh, eye-opening and helpful. Um, but typically, so these things happen. I mean, people get depressed for no reason. People that don't typically have the disease known as uh, uh, chronological chronic depression, chronic depression. Um, you know, it does happen when you go through things. But if you're also hearing voices, noticing paranormal stuff, then that's when I would take it from, is this my mental health to, is this maybe a ghost? Um, and I personally, I like to look at anything but the paranormal first um, for a number of reasons. One is because it's like, it's your own safety. And if you're experiencing visual or auditory hallucinations, um, there could be carbon monoxide, black mold in your house. There could be some some cause a brain tumor. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's scary to think about. And um, but you know, if you're going to be open to the possibility that it's a ghost, be open to the possibility that it could also be something else. And yes. uh, you know, explore all aspects of it. Honestly, it's important to not just think it's a ghost and not check your house for carbon monoxide, or it's important to not s think that it's something in your house and it, you check for carbon monoxide, you check for mold, but for months and months and months, it keeps happening. But you just say to yourself, it couldn't be this. So you don't look, it's like, just look. And, um, you know, one more thing to kind of comment on what Kyle was saying about how it's like a knee jerk thing. You just kind of believe what you want to believe it is a self-defense mechanism and it's an ego thing. Um, and the, when you challenge somebody's beliefs, you're challenging their ego. And a lot of the time when people, when, when people get offended or they get angry at you for challenging their beliefs, it, it triggers that same fight, flight, fight or flight response as if I were trying to fight you because mm -hmm. you feel that your your essence your being everything you believe is being challenged and so like when you get into an argument about politics with somebody and you point out that their candidate is this or that you're you're not 
you're you're attacking them personally is how they perceive it that's how their ego perceives it and so you'll they'll get into this fight or flight mode with you where they'll either become confrontational or they won't but you know a lot of people depending on you know a lot of people who have ego issues you'll notice are very confrontational and it's and that's why it's uh it's the same when you present someone with new facts as if you were to you know punch them in the face <laughs> so oh yeah that that is very well said that is that is something that is something that social media really exploits in all of us too like that's I admit I'm I'm someone that posts uh, political stuff on online because I think it's really important. I think there's a lot of people that don't uh, take part in our system due to laziness and all that. Um, mm. And so I'm seeing a lot of people saying, you know, that that by people posting that stuff, they're encouraging a lot to go out there and, and participate. So as much as it's like a, I, I always balance that in my mind. It's like as much as you're sometimes attacking people's egos. I mean, at the end of the day, the best gift in life is having your ego attacked because oh, a challenge to yourself uh, is is the best thing that we can live for. I think that almost goes back to like Plato and stuff like the old thinkers that say the only thing that's important mm. is is how you challenge your beliefs and all of that. But yes, that was Socrates. Socrates, yeah. was it? Mm -hmm. Yes, the Socratic method is basically, if we were to have a conversation and you told me that you believed in dragons, I would just ask you a bunch of questions until you yourself came to a conclusion uh, about that belief, whether it be what you believed or not. But yes, basically the Socratic method is to just constantly question someone's belief until they either are able to successfully defend their belief and that that reassures them of their belief, or you get them to a point where they're like, oh shit, I didn't really think this through. Um, and either one is great. Ooh. And uh, I, I've always loved Socrates and Plato uh, were my two favorite. I never got into Aristotle, but um yeah, it's uh, challenging your beliefs is a good thing for so many reasons, because even if even if you come to that same conclusion, you've at least come to that conclusion through a critical lens that that truth to you has withstood someone else's criticism. And you can say, I believe it. I just do nothing you can say will make me not believe it because I've already heard it all or mm. whatever, you know. Maybe uh, for me, it's not that, but for somebody who's stubborn and stuck in their ways, I encourage you to expose yourself to other people challenging your way of thinking so that you yourself can have more confidence in it instead of having that fight or flight response where you have to lash back out at the person. Because, you know, if you're confident enough in your beliefs, you don't have to. I think that's very well said, too. I mean, it's, it's a very good point. It's something we all need to really work on as well because i don't think very will we just have a functional reality where we do not sit around all day because we're not afforded the time to question all of our beliefs right we have to have a functional reality where we borrow common thoughts and that's where you see a lot of people change political sides when they are leaving the house and stuff like that growing up, you know, because you just are exposing yourself to different views, right? You're you're no longer borrowing someone else's belief system. That might also change people's religious mm -hmm. views. Uh, you know, whatever it is, we have people here in chat that have said, you know, they've had their views tested because of their experiences with the paranormal. That's why it's so appropriate mm. to talk about in an episode like this is is how yeah. we come to those 
conclusions. Philosophy is a great thing to study as a paranormal investigator, even if, and I'm not necessarily saying that you shouldn't go out there and read every thick tome um, so much as (laughs) approach it in ways that are friendly to you. There are great podcasts out there. There's great series out there where they take this dense material and make it very accessible. Um, I I find philosophy to just be so interwoven with how we view Mm. the paranormal And I think if you don't know of the general ideas in philosophy, the ones that are talked about quite often, I do think it does yourself a little bit of a disservice. Um, Like you will be better Mm. for going and learning some of those because you will look at your investigative ways in in just different angles and lenses. And that's what it's about. Different lenses, different views, challenging your beliefs. Yes. Yes, and I see a subscription popped up on my thing. I don't know what that means. I'm sorry. I'm such a Twitch noob, but thank thank you. Uh, thank you for whoever just tossed me a subscription there. TG the Cleric, thank you for doing that. Gifted that sub to Brian's account in chat there. Now your account doesn't see any ads uh, aside from our just, you know, our AFK breaking. Uh, you get access to all awesome. those cool cryptid emotes we have. And there are other benefits oh, as that well. that is cool. Yeah. Twitch. Oh, thank you so much, TG Clerics. That is awesome. Thank now I know what support. it does. I'm super excited. And look, thank TG you. gets a little badge out of it, too, because they gifted us up this week. So uh, they get up on the little leaderboard in chat. So thank you, TG. Very um, kind of you. Yeah, thank you. Maybe, TG, you can hit me up on Discord. I'll send you a copy of my new ebook if you're interested. What? Uh Thank you. Thank you. Wow. (laughs) Look at that, TG. That's great. (laughs) Brian, that's very kind of you. Uh, I I feel bad not not reciprocating it that's so nice of you thank you oh my you. gosh I'm, well you better look out because on uh, twitch sometimes they get gift crazy <laughs> tg you get it because you got in first you did it first you get the you get the ebook that's very you kind get the of book you. yeah it's, yeah i don't want to i don't want to i i mean i guess i could give everyone a free copy Brian, no look oh <laughs> my goodness you put hard work into that people people want to support you and your and your cause there because Brian's making I a living so. out of it too. We're all we're all in this trying to bring Brian. the paranormal to everybody and make it very accessible. I mean, that's kind of what it all yeah. comes back to at the end of the day. Is like, I, I guess, mm. not being afraid and, uh, to look into things that others would tell you to be afraid of. Yeah, and if you don't mind, I'm going to interrupt real quick and just say that um, my website, ghostquest.net, um, that's like my biggest philosophy is having open information and open resources for people to access. So, you know, my books are also, they're right on my website. You can read them there for free as well. Um, but in, on that note, I also really encourage people to like leave a comment. I have like a comment and submission section. So, you know, get involved and participate and share your stories. And, um, you know, a lot of people, they're looking for validation on what they've experienced. And, you know, if they see 10 other people that have had the same things happen to them and stuff like that, it's really important to kind of be open and, uh, to talk about that. And, uh, Mortis is asking, 
where you can get the paperback. So Kyle has my website up. You can go to ghostquest.net under media. There's a book section. Uh, or you can just go to amazon.com. And uh, actually, this will lead you to amazon.com. You might have a harder time finding me on Amazon. Uh, but if you type in the name of my book, it's The Folklore and Haunted Locations Guide, Massachusetts. And I have one for New York as well. Um, yeah, definitely check those out. And uh, like I said, they're free already with Kindle Unlimited. So if you have that, you can check it out. And uh, there's also a free trial like on the right side. Yeah, I think under the Kindle Unlimited, there's like a yellow button that says get a free trial. You can uh, get a free trial, check out my book for free, all that. It's like I said, I, I, I really want this to be as open of a resource as I can make it to people as as accessible as possible. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Oh, my goodness. Good work, Brian. Very, very good. <laughs> it, I try. It has been a blast. I love these topics. We have such a good time here just shooting the shit about all of this, really. I mean, this article awesome. that we're going to have in the in the description, I, I recommend you check it out. It has a lot of people in there that you probably know from across multiple TV shows. Uh, Adam Barry from Kindred Spirits is in there. I believe Amy Bruni has a uh, a quote in there as well. It really has mm -hmm. a lot of the, the 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 people you know, the investigators you've seen before. And just talking about what this is culminating to, this kind of burst of energy, this staying at home, this seeing stuff. Maybe it's there. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's all in our heads. Maybe that's all that matters is that we're thinking about it and bringing it into the world. But I agree right. with you completely. I think open information is great. I think I think the Socratic method of questioning it all is great. We've said this time mm. and time again, but we do see people that come through like Discord and such. They're like convinced that they have something, but they haven't asked the questions yet. And so that's, that's what we can do for people, you know? We can try mm. to point folks um, to things. We'll try and point them to things and also try and question their ways so that they're, enhancing their views and i hope everyone here does that right. to me too i always tell my yeah. people i'm like i i always say no at first or i often will <laughs> but then i always go and like i always think about it later and usually end up supporting whatever the idea is so i'm like no a no is never a permanent no it just might be like i don't see it yet <laughs> and then i have to think yeah. about it. and i think that's good you know introspection self-reflection all that stuff is healthy and we're just too damn busy yes. to do it these days Yes. And asking, you know, the Socratic method, like I was saying, asking people these questions, you're leading them to their own truth because their answers are going to be based on their opinions. And that's going to lead them to their own truth. And that's what philosophy is. Whether you realize it or not, you do have your own philosophy, the way that you view the world. Like, what do you think about this? Uh, that's your philosophy. And, um, you know, People who change their minds over time always get respect from me because it means that they've learned something and they've changed their mind. Like, you know, people will say, you know, oh, you're a flip flopper or whatever. But um, in my opinion, if you've grown and, uh, you know, you've changed your opinion based on new facts that were presented to you, that, in my opinion, makes you a smart person and a respectable person to me because it, it also shows that you're open minded and you know, 
you have to be going into this. So, oh, I agree. I agree 100%. Actually, I, I have been using a lot of this time to really be introspective in, in that sort of way of challenging beliefs. And and I was literally thinking mm. about it this morning uh, in advance of the show, I think probably because of this, this topic. And I was just thinking about the concept of challenging your beliefs. And I'm like, man, that is stuff that is as simple as uh, how you organize parts of your house. You know, some people like to organize their kitchen yeah. a really specific way. Um, but, mm. you know, talking about like moving out, moving on your own, you know, whatever you're doing that's different for you, you might be borrowing some of these like just general ideas that don't fit how you operate. Maybe it's how, I yeah. mean, it really could be anything that is an organizational structure that you've inadvertently just by uh, being human you've borrowed it and you look at it critically and go does that work for me how, how i shoot my content schedule does that does it actually work for me or am i doing it for someone else am i doing it like am i borrowing mm -hmm. someone else's idea asking yourself those finding your truths is mm -hmm. is really a healthy thing i don't know i think laura talked a bit about that in our, our interview the other day so people get that at the end of the week um, finding stuff that's authentic to yourself. Yes. And authenticity is a big thing. And it's, you know, Kyle, you say it's, as, it's simple. It's as simple as changing mm. your habits, but when it comes to huh. who, how you perceive yourself, what you do and what you believe, that's who you are. And mm -hmm. if somebody challenges that, they're challenging who you are and who you perceive yourself as a person. So like, like I was saying, that's why people get so worked up in politics debates about politics. Cause if you criticize their person, it's like, this is me, this is what I believe. This is who I am. And you're challenging it and they'll get very angry. <laughs> that is a great, you're right. I'm glad you called that out. And because you said that I, I called it simple and I, I didn't even notice that came out if I used that term. It but, is, but it's not. Because in my mind, you're right. I You're pointing something out. I see a fundamental flaw to how we as people tend to develop ourselves these days. I think True. we've very much come to the belief that we're all very special snowflakes. And I say that generally speaking, no matter who, who you are in the modern era, I think that's really ingrained in us that we're individuals and we're all this. But in that, we also mm -hmm. galvanize the idea that you should not borrow, change, or prepare to adopt and challenge that ego. I think we kind of militarize this defense. You're so special that you mm. don't need to budge, but that's not good. That's yes. anti-human by, by that just nature. Yeah. Like how can we be a collective on a small scale of neighbors on a street to a large scale as like people mm. as a country if we refuse or if we feel like everything is an attack on ourselves it's easy to because yes. we debate hot button issues these days but mm. i think there's something maybe more at home that needs to be done is like you know introspective homework where it's like if someone criticizes yes. my stuff are they really attacking my person or are i think more often than not when people express themselves to you i think they're actually showing their own personal shortcomings they're they're seeing their yes. reflection their reflection what they don't right. like in you a lot so that's mm -hmm. where i think i think you need I, I mean the way i do it is i like to sit and i kind of think about the things the exchanges i've had throughout the day and i go am i budging too much to change my opinion on that like is that is that selling out to me to adopt someone else's belief because that's that's also mm -hmm. common i and think on the internet we want people to yeah 
BS. Definitely, <laughs> definitely true. Yeah, there's a mix of, you know, some people are just more inclined to be people pleasers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people who have been abused or been through trauma typically are like that. Uh, and I kind of fall into that category where mm-hmm. I don't like to argue with people and I don't like to challenge them. So it's like, um, you know, I think I've developed an okay balance where it's like, I'll be open-minded to your beliefs and stuff like that, but I'm not going to say what you want me to, what you want to hear really. It's just, that's big. That it is big. Is it's big. big with the authenticity. Like you were saying and being true to yourself, man, it's just, some people aren't going to like it. Some people aren't going to like you and it sucks, but, um, just be true to yourself because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you're the one that lives with yourself. And it's like, why be yeah. somebody to make everyone else happy when you're somebody that you hate? Uh, you know, it's just not worth it. That it, uh, mm, that I've been thinking that exact same thing, too. Again, you got to have those structures that work for you that are making you the most authentic self, especially again. I mean, I'm, I don't know that this is out of at all out of the field of what we were talking about in general. I think it fits very well in this kind of uh, parapsychological sort of lens that if you are manifesting a reality around you, make sure you're manifesting the reality that you actually want and you're not manifesting someone else's reality because borrowing is just so easy these days. Again, people on social media really want you to be interested in what they're into. I mean, as a little bit of a figurehead on, on yeah. Twitch, um, I've had that a lot in my past. People being like, you need to play this game. You need to be interested in this. And it's like, but Same. that's not me. Like, that's just not Kyle. Like, yeah. I could do it to be Kyle the brand, I guess. But I don't want Kyle the brand to be radically different than Kyle the human that gets off of the computer and stands up and yeah. takes a breath. Like, that's, mm-hmm. I think, very big in what you and I are doing here, which is like, that's why none of these topics are really outside of our range either because if we're genuinely interested in it it's something you guys are interested in we we love that that's yeah hmm, touches on touches on all of it and kind of actually brings us to about the end of our our show today we're we're in the home stretch here brian we are yeah wow it's been an interesting (laughs) few hours and uh it's been awesome because like i said one of these articles was submitted to us by one of our viewers screaming siren and uh you know you guys are participating in the conversation and given us other things to think about and talk about and i just want to say thank you thank you uh for the awesome icons i can use in chat now i was a few weeks ago when i first started showing up i was like oh i can only do the smiley face uh but yes so thank you guys uh tg clerics thank you so much and thank you guys for uh just being part of the conversation it's so cool uh to just talk like i love philosophy i could talk about it all day so i'm glad we got onto that subject and uh some of the questions were really cool and uh just thank you guys for tuning in i'm and thank you, Kyle and Pagan, for having me on here. It's this is so fun. This of is probably course. the best part of my week. Right I, here, I really do love it. Guys. 
It's really, really fun. So good. We'll add we'll add philosophy to our thing uh, on a probably fairly regular. Like I said, I think it's such an important part of our toolkit that I don't see prescribed very yeah. much. It's like, go go listen to Descartes' ideas about radical skepticisms. <laughs> go go learn about all these different things about questioning reality. and Because we need to be able to tear down walls and build arguments and stuff like that to present our cases. That's back to the question that we got midway through, which is how do you become a paranormal investigator? You just add more to your lexicon and knowledge, build up your brain, make it bigger, learn, 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 mm. because the more information you can share, uh, the more patterns you're going to see, the more connections you can make, the more you can debunk. And as someone, who, I think it was actually Katie Webb that said this. I think it was her that said, um, if something's actually trying to communicate with you, like through your mind, through one of these Estes method style things, having a bigger mental library for it to pull from would be really freaking helpful, especially if it is some sort of like extra dimensional being that does not deal in our space time. So if you're into like the really crazy, like just um, higher consciousness style stuff like I am that like transcends whatever. Yeah, it helped to have more images to pull from. So anyway, Kyle's a target for demonic possession woo, now. Woo. Am I? I mean, I've tried. I tried to live I, pick it. I told her I'm trying to lock one up, trying to get me a demon. Uh, I'm also looking for a social media manager, which might be the same thing. So if you're a demon at home that wants to post things on my behalf, please apply. Go to revelatormorningshow at gmail.com. Everyone out there in the audience, thank you for listening us, uh, to us today. We got a lot happening this week. First of all, tomorrow's Wednesday, October 28th. We are live on the Twitch homepage. The show kicks off at 9 a.m. Pacific, and the homepage feature starts at 10 a.m. Pacific. Uh, that is Ooh. respectively noon Eastern and uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time. If you're overseas, that's something about 5 p.m. UK, I believe. Uh, so on top of what's, you know, just being on the homepage, Pagan and I are doing a DIY on sigils tomorrow. So if you want to learn about some protection sigils, we'll learn about sigils that are going to enhance your, kind of just your life, all kinds of things. We're going to talk about them, how you can do them at home, how you already might be doing them at home. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun one. At Laura Tempest Zakroff is going to be joining us. She just recorded an interview last night, but she's going to be joining us again tomorrow live. So that recorded interview hits the Chaos and Shadow Spotify, iTunes, Google Play feed this Friday. Make sure you're subscribed to that. I'm really just dropping it on you right now, but there's also now the Revelator Morning Show feed. We're going to throw interviews up there we're gonna throw our tuesday shows up there it might expand it might change it's a little bit of a playground for right now so go subscribe to that in advance mortis thank you for those bits mortis also says making your demons work for you that's the way to do it <laughs> that's a great there name for go. a book you should you should get that right it should be like a self-help book yeah tg clerics also said as long <laughs> as your neck doesn't do a 360 i don't know i've always had neck pain so like that might actually be I'm kind of jealous of that. Might get us some like, views. Yeah. Oh, I would do that. I would. I would totally do that for bits on Twitch if I could. Uh, and then yeah, nice spy needs it. Okay, I'll just start. You know, if I become the demon child. Oh my goodness, Pixie! Thank you for gifting or doing those bits in chat. I can't speak. <laughs> thank you for the bits. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. What else? You do we guys have? are the best. I know. What else do we have to drop on them, Brian? I know. Pagan on Patreon today, she is doing a Tarot Tuesday. So if you guys haven't, it's prop 
probably already up there at like 40. Let me see. Yeah, Pagan does a lot on the a lot of work on the Patreon. Um, and I just want to say, I know Kyle is dropping a lot on you guys, but every single thing he's bringing up, I am personally so excited about uh, the Sigil Workshop. And, uh, you know, I've been to some of the the other workshops you guys have done. They're super informative. Uh, I've been a practicing pagan for almost a decade, and I learn a lot. Definitely check these out. And uh, I'm not even part of these shows, so I'm not plugging it for any <laughs> self-promotional reasons. I legitimately think it's awesome. So Brian is a fantastic <laughs> co-host. He's great, great, great at this. Uh, there is Pagan's Tarot Tuesday from today, October 27th. That is up there. That is free for everyone. You don't need to be a patron to use that. So go check that out. Also, I put a link in chat for the weekly recap. I'll try and put that in our bio for this episode, too. I threw that up there yesterday, just a little bit late, but it talked about everything that happened the prior week. So if you guys are behind on any of that content, there's a lot of it, including Brian and I's show. Um, actually, yeah, there's a link to it on Tuesday. I was going to say, I wasn't sure. Uh, oh, that means, nope, Terror Tuesday's right there. Okay, it's all in there. Good, you got it. Slurge Beach is the first sign of possession. I think it's the first sign of talking too fast on Twitch. <laughs> yes, you got the demon tongue. Yeah, right? That's it. Uh, Mortis says, I used to live on, with a pagan family many, many, many years ago. I was in a tough bind, and they brought me in for a couple of months until I got back on my feet. Good people. Oh, Mortis, that's good. That is good. Yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions about paganism, and I feel like, in general, pagans are just people who respect nature. They respect life. They respect other living beings, whether it's a person or a plant. And um, it doesn't surprise me that a pagan couple took you in uh, because, you know— I adopted pagan philosophy because a lot of it was what I already believed. And I already really care a lot about, you know, other people and other stuff. So uh, I'm glad you had a positive experience with pagans because a lot of people just see us as devil worshiping weirdos and it's not cool, man. <laughs> no, for, for, for this thing from the truth, really, like that is not the common. So uh, yeah. I, I, I like when people are, are opening up a little bit more. Hey, that's what we do. We try and destigmatize things. So tomorrow, this is going to be a big part of the sigil aspect of the show. We're going to work on on talking to people about that. Uh, for the people in chat, just expect a lot of folks tomorrow. I've been on the homepage two or th well, three times before, at least. And every time's drawn upwards of 2,000 folks to the channel, uh, sometimes as high as 20,000. So just so people aren't like completely blown out of the water, we'll be put on Twitch's homepage <laughs> rotation thing. So for the mods, we'll be there tomorrow. Thank you in advance. Um, yeah, it's going to be crazy. If you guys... Yeah, thank you guys for letting me be a part of that too. Yes. Uh, if you guys are interested, like I said, if you have questions tomorrow, I don't know the firmest way to have those asked yet. I didn't... I, I think the Discord will be the best. For Laura's segment, so that's what I would say. I would say just get into the Discord while you can, and we'll uh, try and field some from there. Instead of, but I, sometimes I can keep up with the Twitch chat. It all depends. So listen, listen for I guess the moment of sort of thing tomorrow, but be in the Discord. Christianity mm. had a huge impact on the negativity of paganism, said Irish guy. 
Yes. And as a, a pagan Christian mix, I couldn't agree with you more. It's uh it's really a bummer to, you know, that that did happen. Um, you know, there was a lot of demonization of pagan gods and deities and things like that. And it has a really negative connotation. And, you know, in, as Americans, we're pretty much a Christian or a Catholic fundamentalist nation in a lot of ways. You know, we were founded on the beliefs of Christianity, which is, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but, uh, that did happen. And, um, yeah, I hope a lot of what we do will be, uh, shedding light on some of these facts that people have come to accept that just aren't true i agree i'm watching louie back there with his tail hitting the couch <laughs> chat um yes that that is a big thing that i've only recently been informed of is the 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 blend of the two i mean i guess not really i've, I've always heard about it with like more uh caribbean influences that came in like through africa that blended with christianity down there and such but uh, I guess the paganism, the traditional paganism aspect is the one I've not heard so much about um, before what you've been saying. And then pagan got into the book back backwoods witchcraft, I think it is, which talks about that in the Appalachian areas, the Christian blend of uh, mm. tradition and all kinds of stuff like that in, in paganism. Very interesting stuff. I'm totally new yeah. to it all in, in the depth of it, I guess. Chat. Yeah. I think we're going to let you go for today. You all enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. It has been a wonderful experience. I thank you all for coming in here with such open minds and such good intentions to, you know, spread knowledge and all that stuff. So thank you again. Check out the Patreon, looking at ways to support. Please go over to Brian's website, support through his various methods there. He's got the books going out. So please, please, please do that. All the links will be in the description below. Uh, the subs, all that stuff helps the bit. So thank you again to those that did that today. I really, really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Look out for the deluge of people tomorrow. Subscribe if you have not already to both feeds. Cause again, now there's two. So if you go to Spotify, there's two different shows, chaos and shadow with Pagan and I, and then the revelator morning show, which is primarily Brian and I. So subscribe to both, get them both in your feeds. It, it means the world to me. And we will catch yeah. you tomorrow for more fun. See you guys at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. Brian, thank All you for right. joining. Thank you, Kyle. It's been great. It is always fun.